Yippee Kaye, mother effers. Motherfuckers, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the special edition of Irreverent Testimony, the uh, movie commentary track of Die Hard. It's my favorite Christmas movie, and also one of my favorite movies of all time. Okay, how about that? Is that a surprise to you, I mean, people you out there? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, but it's going to be so good. Uh-huh. We're going to talk about Broken Families. Uh-huh. And the KKK. And the 80s. And the 80s and also flying and the benefits of not wearing shoes. Okay. So if you're following along with us, you should see John McClane's plane landing right now. Um, yes. So let's get into first uh, the big argument that's been going on for decades now over whether this is a Christmas movie. I think the consensus finally is that it is a Christmas movie, right? Why would anyone think it's not a Christmas movie is my question. Well, I think the main reason was is that it was released in the middle of July <laughs> in 1988. Okay. So it was like a summer release, but it takes place on Christmas, on Christmas Eve. Yeah, so, he's going to see his wife on Christmas. Also, yeah. we're making fists with your toes. Mm-hmm. Fists with your toes. This is important, right? Uh, so I don't. Well, it's important because so yeah, he takes there, his shoes off busi- later. This is important, right? So he... Talking to this businessman, right back in the day when you could have guns on planes, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he's talking if you're to this, not in it, federal marshal, right? Mm-hmm. Businessman, and the businessman's like, "Hey, what you do when you get to your hotel room is you make fists with your toes." Right. That's what he says. For those of you that are just listening to the commentary and not watching the movie along with us, you forgot that part. So this part here, where he has a little flirty glance with the stewardess, mm-hmm. is not just to show that he's a ladies' man. It's a nod to the novel it was based on, because in the novel, there's a whole love interest subplot with the stewardess. Really? Yeah. I didn't know it was a novel. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. The, and the novel oh. is way darker and way different. And he's visiting the daughter, and I think he gets he gets crippled for life while he's in the building. Oh my god! And well, got, that makes he, sense. And he's got this love thing going with the stewardess. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, in the film, you make fists with your toes. Mm -hmm. And then we come on to a scene of an office building. Because John McClane's coming to visit his wife, Mm -hmm. who works, Bonnie Bedelia, who works in an office for some Japanese people. Mm -hmm. And that becomes important later. (laughs) <laughs> Why are you explaining the movie as if no one's, they haven't seen it before? I don't, think anybody's, gonna be, I don't even think anybody's going to be listening to this like not having seen the movie. I so, think it's really interesting, though, that like the sort of scuffle they get into is yeah. about like how she has to use her maiden name, right? Um, and not her actual name. Because- well, that just kind of sets him off. He's already pissed off that. Uh, she went out there and he had to stay and do his work. I had my cases. I didn't, couldn't do... Couldn't leave New York and she had this big opportunity. Uh, this character always bugged me. Oh my God. Although Hard Bachner, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's, he's great in the role, but I think even for the eighties, I think it was a little over the top and cheesy, this guy. Like I remember even watching it as a kid and being like, okay, this 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 character is a little bit much. Really? To being the sleazy, coke snorting, yuppie, gross. <clears throat> I don't know that that's entirely true. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that guy exists for sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> he still does. Right? Yeah, for sure. Like 
you know. Fair, fair. He just it got obnoxious, but okay. That's fair. Um, all right. So let's get into the meat of the film, right? John McClane coming to L.A. from New York City. He's a New York City cop coming to L.A. to visit his wife who mm-hmm. has this big opportunity and he's trying to like men fences, right? Uh, that seems to be the idea. Although when when he finds out about the the, the maiden name, he just kind of loses it. I mean, you know, he's pissed about it. I could see that. I could, it's, that's relatable and understandable. I think. I don't know about that, but like, all right, she's working, and she explains it. Like, I'm working for a Japanese company, and like, they don't want people who are married and have kids. And this is the like 80s and 90s, so maybe that's true back then. Sure. Um, and John McClane's sort of explanation for why he didn't want to follow his wife out to L.A. from New York is that he had all these cases, right? Mm-hmm. He's a cop. Um, and then he becomes magically still a cop <laughs> in L.A. <laughs> well, in you're, you're still a cop, even if you don't necessarily have cop jurisdiction. Um, you know, it's like an off-duty cop is still a cop, right? Right. Um, but anyway, it, it's but, so funny because uh, about cops, but I still love this movie. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, going back to the Japanese thing, remember, this was still the time it was kind of the, getting to the tail end of it. But there was this whole idea of like the Japanese are going to own everything and we're all going right. to be working for the Japanese. Right. And they're buying yes. everything up. Right. Because you still had before the Japanese economy kind of crashed in the 2000s. Like it was... You know, they thought Japanese would own everything. Like they owned Sony and all the best-selling cars, and they were buying up all this property and building these factories in the U.S. So, right. So this is sort of the like, oh, when they own everything, this is what it's going to be like. Some of that, yeah. There was another mm-hmm. movie like that a couple of years before this called Gung Ho that was starring Michael Keaton. God, that sounds really racist. about a Japanese uh, car company that opens in this plant in this midwestern city. And oh, I think I saw. This. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. you've seen it. Yeah, yeah. So, but that was a big thing back then, and that's that's kind of the whole under undertone of the, the Nakatomi building and her with the name change and all the future technology, which is. You know, where they have the computer, like, you can, you can find anybody you want right here on this computer. It's so... Holly Gennaro and not Holly McLean. Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty funny considering Uber that, like, he's, like, hanging out with uh, the limo driver in Mm -hmm. the front seat, which is what, like, Lyft was supposed to be, right? Where, like, you're supposed to, like, it's your friend picking you up and taking you to the airport. Well, that was kind of the idea, right? And then, like, nobody sits in the front seat, though, right? I don't. Well, why Why would you? I don't. You don't know this person. Right. <laughs> I've had, like, two Lyft drivers pick me up in, like, a um, a truck, mm-hmm. right? Where you had Where to. there is no back seat, and it's really uncomfortable. Sure, sure. It's really uncomfortable, and I'm always like, ugh. Yeah, no, I'm sure their idea was, this is not like calling a cab. This is totally different. Right. I also like how you can smoke everywhere. <laughs> I mean, he's smoking inside the limo right, right. now. Well, I think the whole thing was 1988, L.A. was sort of at the forefront of you can't smoke anywhere. And like him being this hard-boiled New York cop, where I guess you you still could in New York, maybe for a few years after that. I was like, I don't get, I can smoke everywhere. I mean, you could still. I don't know. Smoke in I don't, airports. I, don't I think guess. So I think like that's not true. I think like you could smoke anywhere back in the eighties. Um, no, I, by the late eighties, they they were starting to phase it out. My boss, when I was a kid, um, the flower shop owner, mm-hmm. told me about how she was smoking 
in the delivery room while she was in labor. Sure. In between contractions. <laughs> she was smoking in the hospital. And no one had a problem with that. And I was like, what are you saying? You smoked That's when you good. were pregnant? And well, she was I'm, like, no, I smoked in the room while I was in labor. I mentioned this before, but I, I guess we should mention that <clears throat> we once did this before for a different podcast I used to have <laughs> that, that is now kaput about uh, 80s pop culture. But I'm old enough to remember smoking on airplanes when I was a little kid. Right. I don't remember anyone actually smoking on an airplane. Oh, I, I remember yeah. the um, ashtrays inside of the like armrests and <laughs> yeah. like wondering what those were for because you obviously could not smoke on an airplane. No. I, I, but there uh, were like ashtrays inside of the like armrests. Up, up until the mid 80s you could. And, and I remember the smoking section and I remember seeing Was like, there a section? Oh yeah, no, there was a section. Oh. Yeah, there was, you just couldn't like smoke everywhere in the plane. There was a section where you could smoke and you could see like the smoke just coming up from this part of the Plane. Oh my god! Yeah, it was bizarre. But then, even before that, right? There was like an entire like different plane experience where there was like a bar. Well, not on all, not, not on all planes. Not, but like, I'm talking about like the '60s, right? Oh well, I'm not that old. Come on, man. I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about planes. And like in the '60s, you could go and there was a bar, and you could go to the bar and you could smoke. You could walk around. It was an entirely well. Flying experience. used to be a luxury thing. Yes. Yeah, and it was more yes. about luxury than efficiency than packing yes. everybody into a plane. And now, when I was talking to Unchi Cindy, remember from. Um, my time in North Dakota, mm-hmm. she was saying that her um, sister was a airline attendant in the sixties. Yeah, and they used to weigh them. Yes, and Sandy so you had said to be the same thing. Under my, a certain my stepmom when she was right under under a certain weight mm-hmm. and of a certain height. Yes, and of a certain like build. Yes, and if you weren't that, then you just lost your job essentially, <laughs> um, which is. Horrifying. So this is where he discovers that ah, his wife is using Holly Gennaro the, and Holly her, her maiden name, and, mm. and that gets him very mad. And then they it's have also a fight. really important as like foreshadowing that like this is the guy who's at the front desk, and here's where you go, and here's like there's cameras here and there's yeah. cameras there. And sure, yeah. John McClane setting is, up the building. John, John McClane is a um, you know he's a cop from New York City. It's setting up that this is a big imposing building with a lot of security and it seems very secure. So the last thing on his mind is that I'm going to have to be a cop now. I'm just no, but I also think that he notices things like where the cameras are and where people are and where like you know he's a cop. Yes, and it's that's why they they show him looking looking at those things. Right, right. Right. Now, um, I don't like cops, but uh, I will <laughs> I will have a, a a guilty pleasure moment and admit that John McClane is one of my favorite like Well, this is a movie. Pop we can, culture we can, movie characters can, of all time. We can I love dwell John in the escapism of an action movie right. that we like. I can love John McClane and I can love President Bartlett. Now, in real life, of course, Bruce Willis is a horrible, gross Republican conservative. God, I don't want to so. know that. Gonna, I've told you this I'm like a hundred times. I erased that from my brain. I <laughs> well, don't need to know that. I don't need to know that. Well, he's John McClane. Well, it's fitting, right? I understand why he is because Rupert Murdoch had to personally sign off on him getting five million to star in this movie because remember it's a Fox movie. This is shot at the Fox Building in L.A. Mm-hmm. So you know Earth. they saved a little money there, <laughs> but, but they, uh, yeah, they had to personally sign off. And remember. Bruce Willis, interestingly at the time, was just a TV star. He was in a hit show right, called it was Moonlighting, Moonlighting. Right. and he was pulling on Michael J. Fox. Uh, with this, interestingly, Michael J. Fox in 1985, when he did Back to the Future, was still in Family Ties. Oh, so he would shoot Family Ties all day or all night, and then run to the set 
and do Back to the Future, and it was exhausting. But he did it because he couldn't he couldn't stop doing the TV show. He was under contract to do the TV show, right? And the same thing with Bruce Willis. He didn't want to pass up starring in this this movie, so he he did both. And so we just had a moment here where like this dude comes over, right? He gets to the hotel, he gets mm-hmm. up to the floor. Dude comes over and kisses him on the cheek. And he like acts like, oh, oh dear, a man kissed me. And he's like, fucking California, uh, which is just some homophobia <laughs> from the 90s. Just a little bit straight, of that. It was oh, also like, oh, this drunk, these drunk, crazy no. L.A. people. It's about homophobia. Oh, panic. this is my favorite one, though. So this is the guy you were talking about. Um, yeah, the over the top coke snorting, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yuppie L.A. business. Who's got shot. like some coke left on his nose and he's talking <laughs> yeah. to his boss and a cop. And he's like, hey. And his boss doesn't a get, thing. his boss doesn't no, no, shit no, is one of care. his guys is snorting Sniffs. coke. Oh, you missed some. Sniffs and then like wipes his nose off because well, it's good enough for the he president. had a little bit of coke and on his nose still. And his boss doesn't give a fuck. His boss doesn't care. Doesn't and why recognize. is he snorting coke in Holly's office? Because he wants to fuck Holly. But, okay, well then that doesn't explain why he's snorting coke in her office. Because he's waiting for her and he had no idea that John McClane was coming into town and laughing and oh. Right? Well... I mean, he's waiting for her to come back and but, but, so he can seduce her. And then but she hold walks on, in. hold on. Takagi here knows he was coming. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So then why did she have to lie about her? I don't know. She doesn't lie about shit. She walks in and there's three men in her office and she's like, have you met everybody? No, what no, no. What about her name? I mean, oh, is yeah. that a plot hole or I don't think so. I mean, I think that Takagi knows that she's married and understands why she uses okay. her maiden name. Okay. Um, Obviously, like Coke dude understands that, but like, you know, he's not around. No, he's, oh, he's, then he shows up. He's and, the like, guy that gets off on seducing married women. Yes. Yeah. And he bought her a Rolex yeah, and he, he wants him to show it, her to show it to him because he's just. Yeah, just this whole part man. always just bugged me. It was just over the top and silly. And I, like, we get the point. He's a scumbag Maybe and he's going to get killed off. And It's foreshadowing and pain. <laughs> and it's also a movie from like, you know. 1988? Yeah. So, yeah. I was know. I was 12. Not to date myself. I, I was six. A little product placement. <laughs> there's, the, there's the Evian bottle. Not as good as the Coke can product placement will come later back when Ellis gets his. Mm. Remember, he put, he points mm-hmm. the can of Coke right at the camera and right. takes a big sip. Yes, 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 yes. I know, I know. But that's more subtle than what they do today. All right, even. so here's a broken marriage. I want to talk about this, right? Okay. Like, you know... She came out to L.A., he stayed in New York, he's got this whole, like, his own narrative about why he couldn't come out to L.A. with her, which I think is kind of bullshit, but now he's, like, trying to make it better, he comes out here, he's explaining to the cab driver, limo driver, um, well, it's an in much better terms than he actually explains to her, right? Like, he's just defensive and shitty, Um He's married to his job. He is. Is what they're trying to but say. But there but it's but he could do that fucking job anywhere as we have seen, as we will see. Yes, but he would have to start over. That's like saying like you can get mm. married to somebody else. Like he's an he's a New York cop and like his cases are his kids and the mm. job is his wife and and that is the metaphor. And that no. that is why they they have these issues. That is why I leave. will say I will posit. She makes all the money, right? She works for this Japanese company. 
She's a director. She's all these things. She does right? now. Ostensibly in no, New York, she didn't, reason, which is why she left. Right. That's why she moved to L.A. Yeah, right. And he didn't want to move to L.A. Because he didn't want her to be more important than him. And so. But he didn't divorce her either. He just said, we'll baby. figure it out later. Right. And the fight they're having right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that he's saying. Right. Like, mm. no, what the dialogue basically says is I'm leaving. I'm taking this incredible opportunity in L.A. Are you coming or not? And he just says no. And and then they're like, and she's like, well, what are we going to do? I don't know. Go take your job and I'm going to keep being a cop and we'll figure it out later. (laughs) And like. And there are so many sexist overtones in what that is, because essentially she has this great opportunity and he doesn't. Right. And so he can stay in New York and be a New York cop or he can be married. Yeah. And then that, he gives himself shit. Yeah. For it. That's right? part of because it. But, but this guy also he can loves... also become a cop in L.A. And it's not that much different. But to him, everything is different. And they they establish that. Like, this is so crazy. People are doing coke and having sex in offices like they don't do that in New York. But like. Like uh, this L.A. is this weird foreign place. I don't understand. I'm a New York guy. Right. It, it, it's I think the character is supposed to be multifaceted in that sense that he's really married to being a New York cop. And as right. much as so anything, you can either be a New York cop or you can be married. And he can't and he has he can't commit to stop being a New York cop. You at can this either point be a New York cop or you can be married. Right. Well, you can also be an L.A. cop, Well, that's which is not that different <laughs> from being a New York cop, actually. And I'm sure the people that you work with <laughs> could probably pick up the slack. Or about the same racist. Of when you, right, I want to talk of about, when you left. I want to talk about this guy, uh, Alexander Kuladov. I forget how to pronounce his name, the blonde guy who plays a German. Okay, so what we're doing right now is we're watching um, the, the terrorists sort of walk into the office building and there's like... You know, yeah, the German like, dude and the black dude. Yeah, ju- and then there's like the, 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 you know, the truck and they're like getting into the building. So it's, it's, it's I'm going to assume they're following along with this. And if not, we don't have to narrate where we are in the movie. <laughs> I'm just saying that's where we are. So this guy is interesting. He's actually uh, Russian. He defected in 1979. He was in the Bolshoi Ballet with um, Baryshnikov. And apparently they had a falling out of some kind, and then he went to became he defected and became an actor in America, and he died very young. He died in his forties, just a few years after this, maybe hmm. six or seven years after this. Uh, of what? what? They happened? said of natural causes, and then later they said hepatitis. Maybe um, it was very kind of hush hush about exactly what some people speculate it was. AIDS oh, Alan Rickman! Alan Aww. Rickman, the great Alan Rickman. I his, love him so much. His date, his movie debut. He was an unknown. Yes. They found him on stage doing uh, Dangerous Liaisons and said, this is our Hans Gruber. Now, these guys obviously had a lot of pull with the studio because you have two of the main characters, Bonnie Bedelia and Alan Rickman, being virtually unknowns. You would think they'd want big stars. And really, Bruce Willis was a TV star. Yeah, and Bruce Willis, too, although they really wanted Bruce Willis, although Robert De Niro turned it down. Thank Um, God. God, what a different movie. Yeah. It would have been a very, right? very different movie. No, it needs to be Bruce Willis. Need it to be Bruce Willis. But it needs yeah. to be Bruce Willis. It just does. And then that would have been interesting because De Niro never went on to be an action star. He was just always kind of a gangster, um, and he, yeah, he or a cop. So well, I you guess know what movie I really loved was the score. 
Did you ever see that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Edward Norton. And Marlon Brando's last movie, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved and, that movie. And I thought that was, like, perfect for him, right? Like, yeah. it's perfect. Well, yeah, he's playing a jazz the, club, but I, like, also, like, do this criminal, thing. Yeah. But I'm, like, fucking Angela fucking Bassett. And, like, I, you know, it's just I just loved, I thought that was, like, the perfect perfect De Niro. I always love the twist here that these guys, you're, you're thinking the whole time that this is some kind of terrorist deal mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, what, there's some kind of political thing and then it turns out, oh, they're just here to rob the building. Well, but it's not that you assume that, right? Like, they make that known. They say. Like, well, you here's you the assume thing until they you, make it known. No, here's the thing that you have to do. You have to do this thing and then it's like, oh, no, we're just here for money. <laughs> we're, we're, we're just we're literally, literally just like, here to rob, rob the place. The place you have you have so stuff in the basement. Money, we want. yeah. But, but they don't let anybody know that because if they did, then it would be like, well, we'll just fucking shut it down. Um, they let Takagi know before they kill him. Yeah, but they don't let like the FBI know. No, no, like, no. They make they, everyone believe that they're doing this. Like, yeah, but, no. But what I'm saying is, right now, when you're watching this for the first time. You're thinking. Look at him make fists with his toes, though. See, he's making fists with your toes. You're thinking, okay, these guys are terrorists, and this is some kind of political thing, and you know, and I think in the fist book, in the book, that's actually what it was. It, it, they were terrorists. Oh, I think it's thing. so much better this way. I agree. That it's not. I agree. That, like you make it seem like it's a political thing or it's a terrorist thing but actually it's just about fucking money yeah which, and then anyway john mcclain just made fists with his toes and was like oh and the fa- and, and i think the foreshadowing and payoff of this movie is fucking brilliant it's one of the reasons i like this movie so much is that like from a screenwriting perspective it's brilliant mm-hmm. right the scene doesn't seem to matter who cares about this duties met on a plane but like the rest of the film really is about his feet there's a lot of setup and payoff there's a lot right? of foreshadowing and payoff right like the rest of the film his feet are a character in this movie yeah and how they which is a lost art in a lot of movies I agree like you watch some of these modern action movies or you watch these modern Disney Star Wars movies and nothing really is set up things, no. things just happen yeah and like when things just happen then okay then we react to this. <laughs> we this react is to them. like set up and payoff. You yeah. know, he he this dude told him to take his shoes off and make fists with his toes on the fucking floor, and so he does, and then oh my god, he doesn't have fucking shoes for the rest of the movie. And, and that is a major character plot point in yeah. the film. And we're right? setting up that uh, this guy here mm-hmm. with his brother, and his brother. Is, is very impulsive yeah. and, and kind wild. Of a dick and like, oh, and then oh Lamar. Is that his name? Lamar? Argyle. 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 Like, he's like, I'm just hanging out with a teddy bear in the back seat. I hope you get your girl, right? So, but I, like, he comes back later too. Like, it's, yeah. there's the foreshadowing and payoff um, in films like this are, I think, what I like the most about them. This, I, uh, Back to the Future, yeah. um, uh, Goodfellas. Like, there's just certain films made in this and well, generation of films that back like, to just the future do so well smartly honest. keeps calling back to the first one with all the sequels. <clears throat> this one doesn't really bother, except in character names only, which is why I can't stand <laughs> any of the sequels. And we can argue about. Oh that. no, no, no! We don't need to talk about. Well, but we're going to talk about this. I want to talk a little bit about because it because this is awful. Well, Die Hard turned into a huge franchise because of the success of the first one, but for me, when you take John McClane out of the building, it just falls apart. Then it's just a, a whatever action movie, and he's. Action Here's this horrible guy. scene where 
right? It's this like 1980s um, office building Christmas party, and people are fucking in an office. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what you did. That's so what that's you did. The perception, right? And then like they just pull this woman shirtless out of an office. She was a Playboy screaming. centerfold. Right. In real life. Okay, now John McCain's running up the stairs with no shoes on, and here's John McClane. Sort- John McCain is dead. Although John seeing McClane. John McCain would have been an interesting choice for this movie, right? John McClane. I mean, he's, he's running around adventure. staircases with no shoes on. But you said John McCain, and that's funny. <laughs> is it? Yes. Because now I'm imagining John McCain. John McCain's a badass. He could have pulled it off, right? But also the building's under construction, right? And it really is in real life. They were able to, again, save some money on sets by uh, the the Fox building at the time was they just went and filmed as is pretty much probably. I don't know if like the the pencils and the blueprints were sitting there, but like this, um, you know, being under construction look was gen- was uh, genuine. They didn't have to build a set for that. So I also love when he like looks into the other people's like apartments. Yeah. But anyway, back to what I was talking okay, about. Go ahead. Um, when you take John McClane out of the building, it just falls apart. It's not interest. His character's not interesting anymore. The story's not interesting anymore. It's just like it's like a Schwarzenegger movie, you know. Well, it becomes less of a character study and more of an action movie. A, a dumb, pointless and action movie. One one of the things that I love about this, and people give me a lot of shit for saying Die Hard's one of my top five favorite movies of all time. And I will stand by that because it isn't it is an action movie on its face, but when you turn it over, it's really a character study of a bunch of people, and I think it's really interesting, and I think it's really well done, and I think mm-hmm. it's really like great. Well, and why, then you well, take John McCain and you put him in. You said it again, John Sorry. McCain. McClane, <laughs> fuck off. It's so Freudian. John, John McClain <laughs> in Die Hard Two, right? God awful. Die Hard 3 we can get into later. Well, Die Hard 2. <clears throat> right? The, but like, The only thing they those... could think of for a bad guy was Hans Gruber's brother wants revenge. And it's like, why does he want revenge? He's not doing any political thing here. He was just trying to rob a building. Well, that was Die Hard 3. No, it was Die Hard 2. Oh. So Die Hard 3 was like, what, his like, cousin? Uh, yeah, I think it was another family member. But Die Hard 3 wasn't even a Die Hard script. It was no. a script for a totally different movie. Correct. And they said, oh, fuck it. Let's make it a Die yes. Hard movie. Yes. And if you listen to the commentary of Die Hard 3, they talk about how they wrote this entire film. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be called Simon Says. Yeah. And if you remember, Die Hard 3 was Samuel L. Jackson and yes. and Bruce Willis going through, like, trying to save the city of Los Angeles from, or maybe it was New York City. I think it might be New York City. It was, no, it was in New York. From this bomber. Right? He's going to bomb the subway yeah. or something. He was going to yeah. bomb the schools. He was going to bomb all these things. But he had to have John McClane because John McClane was the guy who like killed his relative. Right? right? Um, <clears throat> but it wasn't supposed to be even a Die Hard movie. It wasn't written no. for John McClane at all. No, they just turned it into one. And all the sequels are terrible. But, but Die Hard 2 has a Colorado Yes, it was filmed connection. at the Stapleton Airport, Correct. which used to be the main airport for... Denver. Yes. Um, it was kind of in the middle of the city between Aurora and um, downtown Denver, and they kept the tower, but everything else now is like apartments and a soccer stadium and 
don't know right. what else is out there. It's right. just a bunch of crap. So I remember, I, I lived in Colorado when Stapleton was the airport. Mm-hmm. And I remember people was, being really mad about how loud it was by their house and like yeah. how pissed that people were that like there's an airport but I live here and like it's just waking up at three in the morning to like these horrible airport sounds. And so <clears throat> they moved the airport pretty far outside of the city. At yeah, the time, way, way out. Yeah. Right? Now, now it's not that far outside of suburbia. Oh, no, they're building all these houses. Well, they but, already have. I mean, yeah. they have for the last 20 years, right? Um, still pretty empty out there. It's getting fuller, though. But interestingly, so the airport was called Stapleton. And in Die Hard 2, it's called Stapleton Airport, which is what it was. It was filmed at Stapleton Airport mm-hmm. in Denver. Mm-hmm. Stapleton was the mayor of Denver. Mm-hmm. Um, and we almost had a governor, Stapleton, but luckily not. Right. <laughs> and KKK member. Yes. And instituted a lot of those people inside of the city government, um, a lot of those policies inside of the city government. Um, A lot of that's kind of come to be known recently. And so people are like, "Mm, maybe we shouldn't have an entire like suburb named after a KKK member. Right. Um, But yeah, like the, entire suburb is named Stapleton. The airport was named Stapleton. Like, that was a thing. And Walker Stapleton ran for governor. Is he a relative? Yes. Yeah, I figured. Also a relative of of the Bushes. Bushes, Mm -hmm. So here's where Hans Gruber explains that they just want to rob the place. Yeah. And And Takagi is like, that's that's all you want? And then Takagi, for some reason, decides to take a bullet to not get robbed. (laughs) It's like, not his money. It's not his personal money. I don't know why Takagi literally bites the bullet here. They may have killed him anyway, to be fair. They probably would have killed him anyway. I think they would have killed him anyway, yes. right? <clears throat> you want money? What kind of terrorists are you, he says. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Alan Rickman makes this movie. Without Alan I Rickman... Agree. It's, Agreed. It, it's just not the same. Alan Rickman and Bruce Willis, or it's not... M- more movie. Alan Rickman. I could see somebody else pulling off the John McClane role. I can't see anybody else in the world pulling off Hans Gruber. Sam Neill was offered it. Sam Neill would have been... Oh, a, no. That would have been terrible. No, he's good. He's too likable. So is I Alan mean, so is Alan Rickman. I mean, he's fucking like, right? Like the, the fucking uh, guy from Harry Potter. I love him, but Snape. he's also like so good well, as Hans Gruber. Yes, like, and, and he so was really good. worried about taking this role and being typecast as the villain. And so he turned down a million other similar roles to be basically Hans Gruber again. And, um, because he was so fucking good at it and also so recognized it. Yeah. Like, and he did yeah. a lot of smaller, he did obviously some big stuff. He's Harry Potter and yeah, you know, Snape. uh, but he did a lot of small independent stuff too. And he, he worked a lot on stage and look, Alan Richman has actor. been like some of my favorite people in film. Yeah. Really. He was amazing. Um, he's, He's dead, I think. Now. Yes, rest in peace. 2016, right? Kill yeah, him, yeah. Just like everybody else. 2016, got him. Yeah. Um. But I love him in this role. Yeah, he was, he was so good. He's just so. And you, you know, th- this scene that we're watching right now is like him saying to Takagi, "Like you have three seconds," You're, and Takagi's just like, "I'm not gonna do it." And then he. 
he's like, okay. Well, he and call, then he kills he call, him. He and you're like, whoa. This guy's really a, like, oh. Takagi kind of calls calls his bluff. And then, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Well, like you said, he might have killed him anyway. But I always just kind of wondered, like, he's really going to die for the money? And like, I think Takagi, Garen, like, sort of had an idea that he wasn't actually going to do that, right? Well, he seemed pretty nervous. These guys seem pretty brutal. But, well, Takagi's out. And, uh,. Here we go. And, then and they discover that John McClane's McClane is real, real nervous right now. I'm not sure where things are going to go. Then we got Carl and his brother. And uh, but, but let's talk about why Alan Rickman is so good in this because yeah. he's not this loud, bombastic bad guy who's swearing at everybody and like he's cold and he's brutal, but he's not like murdering somebody every other scene. Right, he, no. he murders Takagi to establish like, okay, this guy's serious, right. and he'll fucking murder people. Right, but he's not just a maniac. Right, right? he's very cold, yes. and he's very calculating, and he's very like decisive, and he's like, you, 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 do this. Okay, this is what we have to do. Don't panic. It's like right. he's in control, and he kills and, Takagi because he recognizes that Takagi's never going to give him right. A he's, fucking he's, code. He doesn't want to waste so time. So there's like no point. There's of no point having a conversation anymore with him. We may as well just kill him because just kill him he and can't, let's move on. Yeah. Yeah, like there's no point. He's he's established he's not going to give us the information that we need. So he's like so just direct and to the point and in control, and that makes him more menacing and yes. more scary. Yes. And and just Alan Rickman is just brilliant in that role. He just he brings is. it to life. He he's unlike any other villain, really. Because yes. all the other Die Hard movies, the villains are just kind of typical. They they yell and they're and they shake and they turn red and they just murder people like randomly. Or they're like. You know, cold sociopaths who are like, oh, Simon says. No, like, <laughs> yeah. no, no, no. This dude is just like, look, I want money. And if you can't give it to me, I'm going to do whatever not, I can like, to well, get my money. Well, then you're not useful to me. So, like, you're done and let's move well, on. I like his. It's not even like he's. Upset. His backstory is interesting. Like, he used to be this sort of uh, counter revolutionary guy with this. Like maybe communist uh, separatist group in Germany, and then he just kind of realized, this is like, the movie baby. No, it isn't. But they allude to it. Remember, and the newscast they said he was a member is of the Volksfrei. I'm not sure about the book, but he said okay. like he was a member of the Volksfrei, but they kicked oh. him out. Right, and and so that if you extrapolate that, you know, from the backstory, then like, yeah, he was kind of a terrorist, but he realized like he's really good at it, and he could probably use that to make a shitload of money. So he decides to pull this job. Right. And like, he doesn't feel bad about killing Takagi because killing is bad. He he doesn't feel bad about it at all. And in fact, he just does it because it's like, well, if you're not going to help me, then you you are of no use to me. And it's useful to me to kill you so that I can prove to your people that like, I'm not fucking around. Right. And, and it seems. And so it's just completely like, it's completely like, just like useful. Like mm-hmm. what? I can't think of the name of what I'm trying to say, pragmatic. but you know what I mean? Right. It's pragmatic, but it's also just like that. This is the most useful thing that I can do right now to prove to everyone who I am. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but to me, the whole fun of the movie is that our hero, our protagonist is trapped in this building. Right. right. And he just wants to get the hell out. He wants to get the cops in here. And he, not only is he trying to do that the whole time, but they are on to him and they're trying to track him down and kill him. Um, but the fact that it's all confined to this building is what makes it fun and interesting and harrowing and and suspenseful. 
And when you when you take them out of the building, you don't you don't really have any of that. Right. And that's my biggest problem with the sequels. I agree. Outside the building, it just doesn't work. I'm I'm surprised none of the sequels just put them back in a building. Right. I mean, (laughs) so two sort of tries to do that in an airport, but doesn't Uh, work. Sort of. Three is like, oh, I'm confined to like this man who's crazy and so I'm in the whole city. But I think what's really... If and I then can, he's in all of share, like, and... My favorite thing about this is how fucking useless the cops are. And like how this movie like <laughs> they really, really accentuates how useless the cops yeah, are. Yeah, Roger Ebert hated so it because cops, of how like how like, like the useless cops the cops are cops useless, were. right? Completely. Then the FBI comes in and they're fucking useless, right? We have Johnson and Johnson, <laughs> yeah. no relation, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, completely useless. They do exactly by the book, the thing that the terrorists know they're going to fucking do. Mm-hmm. And like, I think that's why I like this movie so much. Just like, it just, it's really kind of anti-cop, except well, for it just, our heroes. It, well, it just goes to like the idea that like cops are fucking useless. They're terrible at what they're supposed to be doing. <laughs> except for John McClane. They're fucking awful. <laughs> they're awful, right? He gets one beat cop. Right? Oh, to like listen right. to him. The family right? matters Carl. Guy. Carl from Family Matters. <laughs> um, to listen to him and he's trying to tell the fucking FBI and trying to tell the cops like this is fucking bullshit and they, nobody listens to him, right? Yeah. And it, I think part of why I like this movie is like cops are fucking useless and the FBI is fucking useless. They're all fucking useless. Another uh, plot point here is that oh. uh, John McClane kills this guy and he's like, all right, I can get shoes. But the guy's feet are tiny. Very tiny. <laughs> for yeah. some reason. Yeah. And he, tell, he tells, I love this part because he's like, I know the rules of policemen and you're not allowed to kill me. And he's like, mm, yeah, that's mm, what my captain keeps telling me. That's what my captain keeps telling me. But then he kills him, right? Yeah. And then he tries to wear his shoes. And so in the midst of this fight, the uh, close captions just... And it just says that he called him a motherfucker and said something about ripping his head off. And I never yeah. heard that. No, me either. <laughs> so I, know, I know. Reading the close captions is pretty funny. It's like, do they have the script? And is that what they were supposed to have said? Supposed to say. Because they thought they were just grunting and, and, and yelling. They were grunting and yelling. So how is this guy he's like six inches taller than John McClane, but he's, he's got three size smaller shoes? How does that work? Plot points, baby. <laughs> I know. Can't have he, the right size shoe. I know he had to, but then like it would make more sense if he was a short guy. But he something. does have European cigarettes. Yes, John John McClane figures out they're Europeans from their cigarettes. Yeah, well, he okay. also smokes, so he needs those cigarettes, which I can. Here's the cool to. hacker stuff that they work. Oh in. yeah, just a little bit. Yeah. So the black guy in is the, the sh- cool in, hacker in the movie is the cool hacker. He's not only is he a hacker, but he's got like like physical tools to break into shit yeah. too. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just a badass. Yeah, but he gets All right, punched so out. John punched McClane, out by the limo driver. This is super important though. Right now, John McClane just found the thing that Hans Gruber is going to use against him forever. Right. So he's got this bag of and explosives. It's like got stuff in it. C four. Later, we really need this later. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not C four. It's the like whatever. I forget. But it's like a thing that you have to. That he needs the detonators. Later. The detonators. Yeah, the detonators. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And then here's where he's like, I've seen a fake ID. I was a bartender. Oh, yeah. And then the no, he doesn't, he doesn't say he was a bartender. Bruce Willis was a bartender. John McClane wasn't a bartender. Ho, ho, ho. Now I have a machine gun. Yes. Epic, epic sweatshirt. But uh, it was funny, too, where a lot of critics were like, you know, all this stuff with the one-liners and the dark sense of humor, but apparently he hung out with a bunch of cops, and apparently they are kind of like that. And in 
stressful situations or deadly situations. I don't think anybody ever, they've been in a situation like this, but they do use that sort of gallows humor. They and do. I could see that. They that do. Sense. They do. Like, um, I grew up with a lot of cops. Um, okay. Because my dad ran a restaurant mm-hmm. where a lot of cops ate, like, lunch and dinner. And so, like, a lot of my dad's friends were cops. And they're just kind of like cheesy weirdos. <laughs> And so one of my favorite movies of all time is The Last Boy Scout. Right. Because it's Bruce Willis, yet again, um, sort of making commentary about cop action movie humor while doing it, which I think is just sort of really delightful and funny. Um, I like where Hans Gruber here decides to check out the buffet. It's like, might as well, right? You get a nice spread you get here. <laughs> I know, he's like eating the food at the Christmas party. Yeah, which I was is like, might as well so have weird. some. Why not? Why not? I mean, why not? Makes sense. But anyway, Holly at this point is like, oh. Oh. Well, she, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Right. Well, she doesn't know what, what she happened to John. She, she figures says, these guys killed him. Nobody but, could make anybody that mad except for John McClane. <laughs> yeah. Right? She, she figures out he's running around doing, he must his, still be doing alive. his cop thing. Yeah. Doing a cop thing. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. They sell that as a sweatshirt now that you can buy. I would like that very much. Oh, would you really? I would love that so much. <laughs> it's, if they don't know the movie, though, they just think you're some kind of maniac people see that everyone knows die hard right <laughs> yeah so nobody uh none of these german guys are actually german and the german is apparently really broken and terrible just like in raiders of the lost ark um and oh, so really yeah yeah it's the german people i didn't know that them. about raiders of the lost ark german is tough if you don't if you don't speak german like you can you can fake some things in spanish people who don't speak spanish maybe french but like german is tough if you don't know the uh, the the grammar, <laughs> it just it comes out really broken and and horrible. Like American audiences won't notice, but people who actually speak German are like, "That's terrible. Mm. That's really bad German." Mm. Okay, and I so, didn't know. Yeah, no, it always I happens. Didn't know. I don't speak German. Obviously, I, I, I speak don't French I and know, I speak uh, English, <laughs> and I. I'm with people who speak Spanish. Another thing, I don't speak Spanish. Another so. thing that's funny about this movie is all the the title translations. Because Die Hard is tough to translate, and if you try to translate it literally in a lot of the languages, it comes out to like things like "It is hard to kill him" or "He oh. dies." He dies slowly, oh. which doesn't make a lot of sense. No, 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 no. no he doesn't so, die at all. No, so they just oh. they just name it things like the the Crystal Castle or the the Glass Fortress. <laughs> why is why is there a naked lady on the thing? There's this like electrical box that he just walked by, and there's just like this fucking topless chick, and he just looks at it and it just keeps walking. But because that totally the happened. because the electrician, the, the electrician are just like here's the naked ladies we yeah. look at because we're low class white collar blue collar yeah relatable who, yeah. like to look. I like at that Playboy he stops and looks bunny. at it. Yeah, he's yeah. like hmm. <laughs> but yeah, in in Poland it was like the glass fortress. What? And in France, it was like glass like, fortress. Yeah, which, in France, it would have been like I forget. Um, but it was all stuff like that. It was all they they didn't use the die hard at all because it that doesn't make any it sense doesn't make sense when you try yeah. to translate. Look, see, John. Yeah, Holly knows, John. which they do with a lot of movies, and sometimes when they uh, translate movies, they don't even bother trying. They just like. 
you know, like Star Wars in some movies was like a boy and his laser sword or you know, something like that. Jesus Christ. Just so the people will know what the movie's about. Because if you're in a foreign country and you're not going to see a bunch of trailers and commercials, you don't, you have no idea what this movie is. So they have to, in the title, basically explain what the movie's about. Jesus. Okay, so, but we just saw Ellis, right? The yeah. Coke guy be like, John's fucking this up. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to negotiate. Without John, way. we could be, we could get out of this. I'm with John, it's going to be terrible. Right. He's fucking Trump. Right. <laughs> right. John's going to fuck this up without him. I can make a great deal. Right. Here we go. Yeah. Mm. Doesn't work so well for Alice, does it? No, but he does get the, uh, the, the Coke commercial in there. The, does, the, the, he the, does get that. <laughs> he does. He does get that endorsement in there. We'll get to God. that. Yeah, and then even the dispatchers are just completely feckless and worthless and like, oh. This what? channel's reserved for emergency calls only. No fucking shit, lady. Do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? <laughs> I love that Right? Line. <laughs> love it. But, you guys, yeah, I love this movie so much. Everybody having to do with law enforcement. And I have, like, maybe that's why I love this movie so much is that they sort of properly represent how feckless law enforcement are and how worthless and mm-hmm. 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 yeah except yeah. the one or maybe it's like a new york versus la thing right like hey new york cops know what they're doing it's you it's you fancy la la types that no one argue that none of them then, are good uh, at their jobs <laughs> <laughs> and then they i like they threaten the fcc on them Oh, right? They're, they're like, we're gonna, they're like, we're oh, gonna, that's, but, mm-hmm. we're gonna send the FCC after you. Great, <laughs> right. I'm so scared right now. It's a fucking terrorist. Uh, anyway, anyway. But see, there's a Christmas tree right there because it's Christmas. I know it's Christmas. Okay, can we talk about this for a minute? He's humming a Christmas tune. Yeah, it's a Christmas movie. Is they make it clear. a Christmas movie or yes, not? Yes, of course it is. It's always been a Christmas movie. Does anyone want to fight me on this? And long before I met you, I always wanted to watch this movie at Christmas time. It's my favorite Christmas movie. Right? It's my favorite Christmas movie. That and Scrooged, which we also yeah. thought of doing. <laughs> we also thought of doing. Uh, yeah. Well, let's talk about what was going on in American history at the time, because it's interesting, right? You, This was shot, or this was released, uh, the, the end of the Reagan era. Uh, yes. Reagan had already had dementia, and he already kind of skated past Iran-Contra, and we were gearing up for the 88... 88- presidential election right and i think george they H. were about w. to nominate george hw bush and gary hart mm-hmm. got chased out which we already mm-hmm. talked about and dukakis was who didn't inspire look at gas 74 cents in la gas was 74 <laughs> in los angeles in the LA. most expensive place well, on this earth is 88, for gas right? yeah okay so in in here it must have been like 50 cents god I don't, I mean, oh I was God. like five, so I don't know. 75 cents a gallon for gas. Wow. It's jaw dropping. It's only. 20, but let's talk about what happened. years ago. Right. So. So in the country. Right. And like why this, this, this movie might've worked on a cultural level. Um, yeah. Well, it does the head fake, right? Because in 88, you had hijackings were a thing. People were uh-huh. afraid of that. We right. had, right. I think a couple of years before this, the Libyans had just shot down right. the fight right. over Lockerbie, Scotland. Right. right. Um, it was sort of the rise or there was a lot of these, these Muslim terrorist groups had been around, but they were sort of like flexing their, their power a little more. Uh, the cold war still was not over. 
there there was certainly a fear of terrorism, but it there was it was the pre nine eleven world really like individualized, right? Like we're gonna take over this building, like this made sense, right? Rather than like we're gonna blow up the World Trade Center, or like you know crash a thing into Oklahoma City, right? Building like sure, but what's interesting is with if Hans Gruber's plan had worked. They would have assumed it was that kind of thing. Because remember, he was going to blow the whole building, or at least blow the roof. Yes. And kill all the hostages on the roof. Correct. And then yes. when they sorted through the rubble, they had all already escaped with the they bombs. They would have figured everyone was dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and so they would have made it look... So We're giving you spoilers as though you haven't watched Tom <laughs> If you haven't watched it, don't watch with us talking. <laughs> <laughs> he just touched Touch the, the Yeah, for good luck. Girl. Yeah. Oh, sorry. He's every man. See? Hey. He's every, maybe Bruce Willis improvised that. Bruce Willis apparently improvised a lot of this movie because when they started like filming and building sets, they ha- they weren't sure what they wanted to do with the ending yet. And that's why yes. a lot of things don't don't match. Like that tiny ambulance would somehow fit all those guys. <laughs> like, so yeah. also... Um, Later, Die Hard films, mm-hmm. um, Bruce Willis had like almost total control over the creative process. Well, that's why they suck, sure. Um, and so like Die Hard 5 or whatever, the one where um, Kevin Smith is in it. Oh, God. He tells the story about how like it's called Bruce Willis time. Yeah. And everything takes forever <laughs> and nothing happens on time and then the producers call him and they're like motherfucker like you're costing us hundreds of millions of dollars and he's like too bad oh did you want to make somebody else john mcclain <laughs> he's got him by the balls and they're like no <laughs> and he's like okay well we're gonna have a barbecue so hmm <laughs> And they're like, okay, barbecue today, but can we like make can we a film movie them? tomorrow? And he's like, maybe. maybe. I feel like it. Mm. Yeah, he's got him by mm. the balls. He is the franchise. Mm. And Do you uh, want to make somebody else John McClane? And they're like, no, no, you're right. Of and, course, of course you're right. I'm sure that your vision is exactly correct and it's fine. And uh, a lot of people have asked, well, why haven't they rebooted this yet? And the answer is... Bruce Willis has said no Bruce one Willis else is, like, no. is John McClane while I'm alive. No, exactly. Like, and, and I'm kind of like, I know that that's really shitty, but also don't you fucking dare make somebody else John McClane. Well, it's great because I hate reboots anyway. <laughs> I hate them. And also I'm watching this movie right now. Okay. I'm in the middle of it. Carl's coming after him. He's in the middle of an elevator, elevator shaft. It's very tenuous, and I can say if it's fucking like Shield LaBeouf, or like The Rock, Josh Hartnett, or The Rock, I don't give a fuck. I give a fuck that it's John McClane and it's Bruce Willis, and that is what well, I know. Well, that, right? that I was going to be my next question: was imagine if they if they rebooted this, it would no. be one of two things. It would be shot for shot, beat for beat, this same movie with inferior actors, or it. So would, what's the fucking point? What's the point? Or it would be something that is so shitty and like no setups and payoffs and it, it, it wouldn't be a robbery. It would be another dumb reason that the terrorists are there. And it, it'll just be, you just, you can't reboot this movie. Now they will. Once Bruce Willis dies, mm-hmm. they will reboot but it. But not until then. Not, not until not then. Not until then. 
<laughs> it just makes me so happy because I might be dead by then. So like, <laughs> you think Bruce Willis is gonna outlive you? I mean, I don't think so. Uh, I think he's got a good thirty years on you. So, but I don't want this movie to be remade. I love this movie. I'm watching it right now, and all these Germans are shooting their guns at things, <laughs> and, and and just shooting, just trying to find him in 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 the like, you know. Um, Air conditioning vents. Air conditioning vents, and Carl's really mad, and, like, it's a fucking great movie. Yeah, there's lots of tension, and, again, the tension is all centered around the the protagonist is stuck in this building with these terrorists. With no shoes. With no shoes, and... And his wife is there. And there's one of him and, like, 20 of them. Yes. And it's great. It's a fucking great movie. It's great. It's, it's, It's exactly what it should be. Um, now remake this movie and go fuck yourself. <laughs> they they're, they're not going to remake it, not while he's alive. No, but he's then made that then they will, clear. and it'll be terrible. And who cares? Like you know. I know this is a diehard thing, but I would say I feel that way about Point Break. They did remake Point Break. I know, and I refuse to watch it. <laughs> I loved that movie. Well, here's a question. I loved that movie. Now that we're on the topic of reboots, what was the last reboot that was actually like good or worthwhile or was even successful? Like these don't work. I mean, don't ask me. I won't watch them. I mean, Jurassic Park, yeah, but that's it's also sort of a sequel. Um, I guess the first reboot of Jurassic Park with Chris Pratt did well. Um, but what else? Oh, we got Doggy's brains on door. Um, I don't think anything, really. I mean... I'm trying... No, I'm seriously trying to okay, think about this. Okay, let me this. think about it. All right, so... Think about every successful 80s movies, and they either have rebooted it, or they're going to reboot it, right? Um, Star Wars doesn't count, because Star Wars is, is its own it's animal. It's a continuous animal yeah, that it's like, its we own, can talk about entirely It's its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's literally kind of its own company. Okay, so I like Die Hard. I like Point Break. Yeah. Um, they rebooted Poltergeist. It was awful. Okay, they rebooted anyone RoboCop. It was awful. They rebooted Total Recall. Ever it was remakes awful. True Romance? I will kill someone. <laughs> no, they remake blockbusters, not you know niche films. It's like my favorite really. movie of all time. Um, they're gonna. They're working on a reboot of The Goonies. What? Why? Because Why? They, because it made money once. Because it was successful once. They've been working forever on a reboot of Gremlins. That's coming. And the Gremlins are going to be some CGI garbage. Oh my God. I'm going to (laughs) die. I can't. Um, but no. I, I, but of the ones that have been rebooted, I'm trying to think of anything that was worth watching and or successful. And besides Jurassic Park, I can't really, I can't really think of any, I mean, did the the Spider-Man movies don't count? I don't think. No, there was never like an original Star Wars movie that was good. Right. So there's well, okay, to, like, okay. Reboot. I, I Rebooting, would, I would say, is something that was. I would say really the, good, the Christopher Nolan then, Batman movies, but that's not really a reboot because that's just taking the source material and doing something different with it. Like Batman has been around forever, so it's not that Christopher Nolan rebooted the Tim Burton Batman. He just did a totally different take on completely Batman. completely different take. So I don't really, and, and I think he did a really good job. Yeah. 
um, on that. And no, I I, 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 I I like I, them both. They're just different, different, completely different, different takes animals. on yep. on on completely a, different animals. Completely. On the same source material, yep. let's say. So that mm-hmm. doesn't really count either. So the answer is none, basically. Not that I can think of offhand. Yeah. If you guys can think of something like yeah, tweeted us tweet, text, like oh you forgot, like, forgot about the about great reboot of, of something. Start the JJ Star Trek. I don't know. No, <laughs> I mean no. I fell asleep during Star Trek, so I think that's not really fair. I thought the first JJ JJ from Star Trek was pretty good. Um, the 2009 not, one. So my problem is like I don't really know about Star Trek, so oh, I'm not okay. really a good person to ask about that. Um, yeah. But oh, this is the scene where uh, Bruce Willis permanently d- damages his hearing. Which is maybe one of the reasons why Wait, you so could then, do, you could reboot this over my dead body. I gave my my hearing in one of my ears for this movie. Then Carl from Family Matters becomes a character in this movie, right? Yes. So the dad from the like sitcom that With I Urkel, yeah, mm-hmm, he comes in and like becomes a really important character. So hold on, right here, you're about to see the moment where Bruce Willis permanently damages his hearing, right now. So he claims permanently fucked up his hearing. Really? Right yep. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Fuck. Yeah. So no wonder he's. So like... he was like laying <laughs> under a table, right? And yeah. He like shoots up some some dude. And he's firing, you know, blanks or whatever, and. That's what killed Brandon Lee, by the way. Yes. Some some in a in one of the guns there was debris from the blank fired out. No, or it was it was like a blank that was fired too close. Yeah. Um, I met the guy who knew a guy who killed him. Oh. Um, the, uh, pawn shop owner, right? Uh-huh. The guy who actually killed Bruce Lee. Um, and my buddy. Brandon Lee? Wait, hold on. The pawn shop owner from the movie? Yeah. Oh, I th- no, I thought it was a stunt guy. I read it was a, just a stunt guy, like an extra or mm-hmm. somebody like that. No. It was that actor? Yeah. Yeah, because he's a well known actor. The the guy from the Yeah. Okay, I the, didn't uh, I didn't know it was that guy. I thought it was just a, like an extra. Shot him, right? Like one two times. And that No, no, it everybody couldn't have been him. has it wrong. It couldn't have been him. It was the scene No. Cause I thought it was the scene where he goes up to what's I the know. guy's lair and no. all, all they know. all shoot him. Everybody thinks that's true. It's not does the pawn shop, the pawn shop. shop guy take a shot at him? I yeah. don't remember that. Yeah. She I haven't seen times. The Crow in a while. Yeah. She oh, okay. Shoots him a couple times. Um, the blank that was in the gun uh, had some, um, it's not called debris, it's called shrapnel. Shrapnel, yeah. Uh, that hit him, and they didn't have um, any EMT on scene because it was a really low-budget movie, and so it took... The EMT is a really long time to get there. And by That's the time not the case anymore. There, now you can't. Right. You by the can't. time they got there and they got him to a hospital, they were unable to save his life. Yep. And so that's what happened. That's sad. Yep. yep. Mark Williams was the guy that I know that was on the set. And, um, and that was Brandon Lee's first big... Uh, major motion picture. He had all he done basically a bunch of bad B movies. Correct. To that point. Correct. And he didn't get to finish that movie no, either. Some guy named Vincent. And so there's a couple something. of like scenes where they do some 
CGI, 90s, or CGI cover his face, mm-hmm. like they do the mm-hmm. Bella Lugosi thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But actually, it's not that scene. That's what everybody thinks, but it's not. It's the. It's the so this is where. Punch up. In the movie now, this is where McLean and, and uh, Hans. Start to face off. Start oh, to actually talk. This is one of my talk. favorite parts, right? It's so they're, him a they're on the. Mm-hmm, Roy Rogers, right? Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a break real quick, and we'll come back. You don't. You don't take a break. It'll be instantaneous as far as you're concerned. Right. Okay. Be right back. And we're back. Not that you know we left. (laughs) (laughs) So, John McClane found the C4 and the detonators and the detonators, which become a central piece of the film yeah well now you know Hans's plan is really in potential trouble right but he keeps his cool he does yeah he does with his bare feet well, I'm saying around. Hans keeps his cool right yeah but so does John McClane so does John McClane because John McClane is just a badass mm-hmm. and this is where he starts taunting him calling him <laughs> saying he's seen too many cowboy movies and then, of course, another the... orphan bankrupt of a thing. Yeah. And here's where John McClane uh, casts himself as Roy Rogers, right? Yeah, Roy Rogers, who created the famous uh, fast food chain throughout the, the Midwest. <laughs> you ever been to a Roy Rogers? No, but I don't think that's what he's most famous for. I, I know, I'm kidding. Well, tell me what he's most famous for. He was in a bunch of cowboy movies. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So uh, this guy here who plays Harvey Johnson, the asshole anchor or reporter mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. No, uh, he's not Harvey. Harvey Johnson is the anchor. This guy, I forget the, his character's name, but he's been in a lot of stuff. He was in a lot of stuff around this time. Um, he played the bad guy in some things. I'm trying to remember. Now I'm drawing a blank on what else he was in, but... He was in a lot of stuff. What else was he in? Oh, so he's sort he of the producer, right? And like Harvey Johnston or whatever is like the guy who's like. I on think he was television. Harvey Harvey Peck in. Uh, that's why I'm confusing the Harveys. I think he was Harvey Peck in Ghostbusters. <laughs> he's the EPA oh, guy, right? Who gets yeah. drowned in the marshmallow? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So he For does sure. play a Harvey, For and sure. then he just yells at a Harvey in this one. So, that's why I got confused. So, die hard, babe. (laughs) (laughs) So, we're at the point now where John McClane is is fucking up their plan. Yes. He's he's doing a really good job of that. And then the... uh, Uh, We have Carl from... Family Matters. Well, he's he's Al, Al Powell. Al, Al Powell in this one. Powell. Powell, as, as John mm-hmm. McClane calls him, finally makes contact and gets involved. But this is also where the LAPD gets involved. The LAPD and then eventually the and uh, cause FBI. The FBI does right? more harm than good. And like, I think that's maybe why I love this movie so much, is that like it, it sort of exemplifies the idea that like law enforcement is fucking useless. <laughs> At um, times. He calls 
the LAPD and he tells them this is what's going on and they're like this is an emergency line and he's like does it sound like I'm ordering a fucking pizza right um and they're like well you know right Mm -hmm. do nothing Al shows up right Carl from Family Matters shows up and is like this seems like maybe maybe a thing Hmm. 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 so John at this point is telling the cops that they have missiles but how does he know that? They haven't fired any missiles yet. I mean, he could be assuming. Well, he knows that because he's been on multiple floors of this office building. Oh, he may have seen. And he has seen yeah. those missiles, yes. Um, so they were in a box, so they took him out and, and hit the police RV that was trying to, I don't know what it was So right now do. he's talking to Carl mm-hmm. um, about how he knows that these people are probably like, German spies because they have these IDs. Spies? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, look, I've looked at fucking fake IDs my whole life. Like, these are not real IDs. They just aren't. Yeah. Right? And then he's like, call me Roy. Roy Rogers, right? Yes. Right. Got it. Right. Well, listen up, Roy. Think of anything else you need to know. Don't this be is shy, where okay? uh, good old Clarence Beeks comes. That's not his name. He's, they, they name him Dwayne Robinson, <laughs> the, the police chief that was also Clarence Beaks in Trading Places. And he was the principal from um, The Breakfast oh, from Club. From Breakfast Club, yes. Yes. Great character actor. Yes, he was. He was. Yeah. Uh, forget his name. He died a while back. Um, yep. He was always played either the bumbling idiot there he is. or the bad guy. Sergeant Al Powell. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think sir. this guy Dwayne this guy. Robinson ever played the good guy. <laughs> he was always. I mean, he's always sort of the like bumbling idiot or the bad guy. He's he's or got that bad guy. bad guy face. He's got that asshole face. He has a face that you want to punch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was like another guy, like uh, Ronnie Cox, always played the bad guy um, in Ronnie Robocop. Ronnie Cox is who? He played uh, Cohagen in Total Recall, and he played Dick Jones in RoboCop, and he played Captain Jellico on TNG, who nobody liked. He was always just a jerk, but in real life, he's actually a really nice guy. Had a had a guy in my old podcast who was uh, making a movie starring him. So, but anyway, that's total aside. I'm just getting into my '80s character actors. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> there's a bunch of them here. With okay. uh, the guy who plays Dwayne Robinson and always played the bumbling idiot or the bad guy. Oh, and now we get into the news media. Baby. Yes, it takes a shot at the, at the local news and the news Doesn't media. Doesn't it? I almost like to pretend that this is a prequel <laughs> to uh, Nightcrawler. <laughs> yeah. Remember, yeah. Remember that movie with Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal? I do. I love that movie. And it takes place in L.A. and he's, he's just trying mm-hmm. to get all the, the gory footage. And, like, that's exactly what they're doing here. You know, this crew is trying to get all the gory footage and all the blood and the, the mayhem. And um, I, I, I would love if that was in that universe. <laughs> like, I would love if yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal was like, like, were you the guy that was at the Nakatomi building back in 88? Like, I would have loved if they'd done that, but they didn't. They they took that movie a little, that movie took itself a little too seriously. To do Agreed. That. Agreed. And I think part of the reason I like Die Hard so much is that it sort of doesn't. Right. It does and Take it doesn't. It, 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 well, but I think no, but largely it, it doesn't. It, right? Even though it's a it's a horribly violent movie, it does like have the feel of like a fun action popcorn, you know, mm-hmm. thing. It's not like a dark brooding no. um it's, it's a fucking action movie. It's yeah, it's a, It's just a fun action movie where like the people who win should win and 
we we solve all the problems in the end, right? Like every problem every character has, and they work including in, yeah, right, like work the LAPD cop. And- Mm-hmm. Who like just can't like get over the fact that he accidentally killed a kid? Richard Thornberry—that's his character. Gets to kill like, the guy, and like it's it's a perfect it's a perfect action film in my estimation. It's a perfect film. You know, it's funny though. You do see, and this is again why Alan Rickman was hesitant to take this part. You see these character actors who get typecast, like the Richard Thornberg played the asshole. He's the asshole. <laughs> Uh, news guy and in Ghostbusters he was the asshole EPA guy in another movie he was some kind of asshole an asshole uh, police chief in this movie was the asshole principal in uh, Breakfast Club and he was the asshole uh, guy in Trading Places and he was the and so like you do get typecast and, and an actor like Alan Rickman it's like I don't want to be typecast I want to mm. do all kinds of different things mm-hmm. and not be the same guy and, and right. he, he was able to do that he was able to avoid just being the villain in every movie he was Snape he was he was Snape he was the voice of the depressed robot in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy he was in um, Dogma of course yeah he was in all kinds of wonderful things he's one of my favorite of actors things. I love him so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I told you about this great movie you have to see sometime where it's only him and Madeline Stowe in a movie called Closetland. And no one has seen it and no one has no, heard of it. I don't know anything about this. <laughs> and you would love it. It it it's, takes place in a future where Alan Rickman plays this like government inquisitor and Madeline Stowe is this woman who writes these children bo- children's books and she gets accused it's like a future totalitarian government right mm-hmm. and she is accused of putting subversive messages anti-government messages in her children's books so oh. they arrest her and Alan Rickman like tortures her and interrogates her to throughout the whole movie to try to get her to admit that you know she did this thing which she didn't do and it's just them the two the, it's like a stage play turned into a movie basically and the movie is just them. And Alan Rickman, I guess he's the bad guy, obviously, in that one. But it's mm. really good, and you would love it. That sounds horrible. It, it, I'm sure it, I would it love is it kind of so a horrifying much. movie. <laughs> and I saw it as a teenager. I was like dating a girl who wanted to see it, of all things. She's like, I really want to see this movie, Closetland. It sounds really, you know, freaky and spooky. And we, like, we watched it, and I was like, that movie was really disturbing. And it was, yeah, Alan Rickman and Madeline Stowe. And those are the only two people in the movie. It's just them. Mm. And he's playing all these mind games with Mm. her. and That sounds awful. Yeah, but he's great. Okay, so we're back in Die Hard. Uh Uh-huh. And what's about to happen is John McClane, right, is like hanging out and people are going to break a bunch of glass because they figured out that he doesn't have shoes on. Yes. Right? Yeah. Uh, he, um, and so they're just going to break a bunch of glass. Hans and, Gruber sees his bare feet. Yeah. And then and he, says, he just has to glass. like, it's very bad. It's very bad. Yeah. And, and now, now, like, the FBI is coming in, which is really bad. Because, and this guy eats the Twinkies, which mm-hmm. got him a reputation for loving Twinkies the rest of his life, apparently. The people would throw Twinkies at him. <laughs> Poor thing. Yeah. And this Sorry. other guy... Looks disturbingly like Huey Lewis. And a lot of people thought he was Huey Lewis, but he's not Huey Lewis. 
Huey Lewis made his. No, he's obviously not Huey Lewis. For fuck's sake. Well, not him. The, <laughs> not the. No, Chinese I know, guy. I know the other guy. Yeah, yeah. Huey Lewis guy. made his uh, film debut in Back to the Future as the as the uh, uptight teacher who says Marty McFly's band is just too darn loud. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Are you straight on that now? Yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Uh, this is kind of a pointless scene of Argyle just driving around. And Argyle's just stuck. like, the fuck am I doing? Bored as fuck. They just kind of threw that in there in case you forgot him. Like, oh, in case yeah. you're like, oh. <laughs> what happened to the limo guy? The limo guy. That's him. He can't do the, anything. Uh, he's just hanging out. <laughs> he's, he's, he's just, just stuck. fucking bored. Stuck in the garage. He's just fucking bored. All right, here's Sean McClain. Not you macho assholes. No, no. Because they're going to raid, try mm-hmm. to raid the building and they don't and understand how much firepower yeah, they're exactly. up against. Yeah, exactly. They're going to get fucking Even killed. though John McClain just told them how much firepower mm-hmm. they're up against. They don't care because they think he's a bad guy. But like in the end. See, he's... not Huey Lewis. No, not Huey Lewis, baby. <sighs> I thought. Uh... I think like the uh... message here is like. Maybe listen to people who are on the inside and maybe don't think that you know everything all the time. Oh, you think they were going for that message or they just wanted to... That's the message. To, again, show I'm, how bad Hans Gruber is. I'm saying that's those my cars. message, baby. <laughs> okay. I'm, I don't know what their message You know, you could take all kinds of messages from this movie, really. They're shooting the lights. Al Powell really should have run the show. No. Of obviously, that's the whole point of the movie, right? Is that he knows everything and no one knows anything. He's the fan. And nobody listens to him he's and the... he knows everything because he's talking to fucking John McClane and nobody goddamn knows anything and it's a shit show. He's the fat guy beat cop with the pregnant wife at home. But his arc, of course, is terrible. His arc is that he accidentally shot a kid, and now he finds the summon to murder people with a service weapon again. And that's supposed to be very uplifting. (laughs) It's terrible. (laughs) I remember that even as a kid, being like, that's that guy's arc, and we're supposed to feel good about that? Like, yes, he killed the bad guy, but... Yeah. Yeah. No. There you go. No. We don't like it. People <laughs> kill people. I know, I know. <laughs> feel good about the... We don't feel good when law enforcement kills people. I don't Even like this. I don't like guy. this. This. I don't like this at all. So right? This doesn't make me feel good. So I want to... It doesn't make me feel good. That like, This cop car is coming into everything. It doesn't make me feel good. It makes you feel terrible. I want to know what the plan was with this, this RV because it just kind of gets stuck... Like driving up the steps, like what were they gonna do with it? Were they were they gonna like smash through the front and and do what? Mm. What were they gonna do with the I RV? Know. I don't know. And it gets blown up. Nothing. I think it doesn't matter, right? Because ultimately, it was about the the like but they're, money. But they're things. in a but they're in a hurry to blow it up. See. Like they're like, oh, hurry, hurry! You got to blow up the the RV. Right, but that's that's these but, people. But right? the RV but is like, stuck. That's, but but that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal for Hans Gruber is like the. Um, I'm not talking about monetary. That. I'm not talking about thing. that. I'm talking. Right. So what people, are the cops doing? What oh, was their plan God. with God, this I'm RV? Fu- just blow, hurt everyone. I have no fucking idea. Just no, but, but watch what watch what happens here. <clears throat> this is my question. 
Like this, first of all, the RV takes like the longest route <laughs> in history to get to the building, and then it's just kind of stuck spinning its wheels on the steps. Like, what is it doing? What is it? What? What are they gonna do? Why even bother blowing it up? Just let it sit there and spin its wheels. Like, look, there's a, there's like a front gla- a regular front door there. There wasn't like like a like a loading dock for Why it to go it through. Stop? That's a great question. <laughs> Why didn't they bother blowing it up? Question. I guess Hans wanted to blow it up to show the cops, like, hey, I'm not fucking around here. Obviously, right? right. Obviously, right? Why they let that happen is a great question. Yeah. but And then like, he takes a fucking chair. Straps the explosives to it. Yeah. And then that's better than, I mean, for fuck's sake. Well, now he's he's pissed at Hans for killing a bunch of cops. Is what's going on here. Mm-hmm. So this is John McClane's revenge. And then uh, this is a lot of action and a lot of explosions in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. There's no no shortage, mm-hmm. of, no shortage of action here in Die Hard. That's right. It's one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. ever. All the cops are all injured and oh, burned. Oh no, and... the cops are so sad. Oh. <laughs> Fuck it, he says. And he rigs up the computer chair with C4 and mm-hmm. and uses a monitor for some weight. He uses a commuter monitor and a chair. Jerk weed. Let's see, you take this. He calls under him, advisement jerk weed. He calls him jerk Geronimo, weed. Geronimo, motherfucker. <laughs> he calls him jerk weed. <laughs> Is that the best you can come up with, John? Jerk weed? Look. Boom. He just killed a lot of people. Uh, he only killed like two terrorists, I thought Al said later. Yeah, Al said like he got two. He got two of them. I think that's nonsense. Hans Gruber's very upset, by the way. He's very upset. <laughs> well, yeah, he just used his C4 to yeah. blow a bunch of shit up. Yeah. There's no C4 left for them anymore. Uh, the FBI don't know what to do. The um, FBI hasn't gotten there yet. This is before the oh. FBI. This is just the LAPD. Oh, my God. They say. <laughs> Eat your heart out, Channel 5. So, yeah. it it they, they depict the cops as bumbling and the media as very cynical. So there's a lot of that, really, that 80s overtones, you know, with the... See, look, yeah, they say that he was part of that that German terrorist separatist group or mm-hmm. something like that. And, mm-hmm. and then he got kicked out of it, probably, because he, he was a capitalist. <laughs> <laughs> no, not, I like, I'm just not going to comment on that right now. No, but it's fun. It's fun to get into these backstories, right? Because you, you wonder, when you're into movies, like, oh, what's, what's Hans's backstory? How did he... How did he get to this point? And they just allude to it. They don't like go in depth and like, you know, show him. And maybe in a, in like an early version of the script, there's more of his backstory and more of John's backstory. And like this, another good thing about this movie, it's so condensed to the story. Like if they did this now, you'd probably see like, like John in a stakeout and a shootout in New York, you know, and then yeah. you're like, all right, now, right. now that we got this bad guy, I got to go get on a plane and go see my wife in L.A. And then like somebody ribs him about his wife. Like, I guess your wife's the bad news for you, Jack, from up here doesn't look like you're in charge of Jack shit. Listen to me, you little asshole. Right. And then they would show mm-hmm. like Hans in West Germany, like 
shooting somebody and, and being like, why don't we ever use our, our skills to make money? Like, we don't make money. We're communist separatists. And then like, you know, they would spoon feed you everything rather than just letting you use your imagination and figure it out right. for yourself. Which this movie doesn't do that, which is great. We don't need, we, we get it. He's a cop from New York. We get it. Okay, this guy is a thief and he kind of used to be maybe involved in some kind of terrorist group. We got it. Okay. You know, it's all it's all nicely condensed and, and compacted and it's just about the And story our guy hand. isn't involved in any of that and just happens to be there and just so happens to be able to like thwart it. Yeah. And then, like, this lady just happens to be there and happens to be his wife, and this guy's about to die because he should. And <laughs> Got then, way like, too much screen time to <laughs> but, like, in the end, you know, uh, yeah, this guy was always going to be an asshole for sure. Like, Ellis. I Hans love that Bobby. Ellis dies, Bubby, because he should have died because he, God, Ellis. Well, you knew Ellis was going to get it at some point. And, Look, and, and Ellis is that guy who wants to mansplain to everybody. <laughs> well, in, in Ellis, and here's is, where he does that, and he dies because of it. So maybe think twice, gentlemen. Well, is it ego or is it is it bravery? Because at the one point, you could argue if Ellis was just a coward, he would have just hid with everybody. You know, no, he's where all high. The, he's fucking high. Yeah. He thinks he knows more than everybody else. So right. he wants to come explain to you all the things. And he's going to make a deal. He's going to hey, cut a deal. Hey, this is he my cuts, business. He cuts deals all the time. He's a guy who's a thing. What's my difference? Put in my terms. Blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah, right? He's a fucking asshole. He should die because he shouldn't die. But like. Well, he's also the villain here because he's giving up John McClane. He's like, John McClane's running around trying to be a vigilante and putting us all in danger when these guys could just rob the place and leave. That's what he thinks. He doesn't know, of course, they were going to kill everybody anyway. He doesn't even talk about John McClane right now. Yeah, he does. He just said there's a poison pill running around fucking up your whole operation. Oh, yeah. And now right, I'm going right, to right. him to you. And John McClane eats the stale Twinkie. Twinkies get a, a nice little plug here, too. Huh? See? Subtle with the product placement. What has happened to subtle product placement? All has to be in your face now. They only this motherfucker, do- though. This motherfucker. Right? This motherfucker. <laughs> they only do this it... This fucking white guy being like, oh, mm, mm. He's the worst. They only do the, right? the in-your-face in your face product placement one time and then that guy dies <laughs> very quickly i wonder if they told coke like the coca-cola company like okay we're gonna promise since you you know gave us this opportunity we're gonna very prominently put your product in a, a crucial like important scene in the movie and but, but that th- person's gonna that die. person is immediately gonna get shot in the face right that person's immediately gonna <laughs> die you're, they're gonna so, immediately die I, I don't think mm. coke cared mm. they're like okay mm. that's fine they're can, like, mm. can you see the coke logo on the can before he gets shot yep yep okay that's okay. cool that's great great great, great. Who cares yeah if, if you, you want to show logo, yeah. like the blood and brains explode the logo, yeah. on the coke cool, can cool. Cool, cool, cool. like that's cool <laughs> just as long as, as long as they could see the, the the actual logo now he doesn't drink from the can they pour it in a in a glass for him that's what they do 
remember? For this guy. But you can see the can, clearly. Johnny Boy. Ellis. Mm. You jerk. Ellis. You fucking asshole, man. No. Ugh. God damn it, Ellis. In Ellis's defense, he... What? Hold on. What? Hold on. What? Just stay with me for a second. In Ellis's defense, he... He probably genuinely thought, like, the guy running around playing cop is going to get everybody killed. And the only way that's really out of this is for me to, to, to make a deal. And to try to get, you know, John to surrender. Oh, there it is. See? Yep, there's your Coke. <laughs> yeah, pour it out. Pour it out right so everybody can pour see. Pour it out right Pouring so out everybody that Coke. can see. So it, like, fizzes up nicely. It looks, looks good. It looks refreshing. And then he, you know, he's like, he's putting himself as hostage. So you could see, you could see, yeah, you can clearly, still see the clearly, clearly, that's placed mm-hmm. perfectly. Good perfectly. job, guys. Good job. But uh, yeah, in Ellis's defense, he probably thought he was saving everybody, or at least himself. No, he's a fucking asshole. I, yeah, obviously he's an asshole. But I'm just saying, just to play slight devil's advocate. Do we need to do that? Because uh, white men are just. To be believed and like they have the best ideas. I know. And why would you think that you have better ideas though? Why are you better at this than them? You're not. You're not better at this than them. No, and he was he was was wrong to think so. Bad at this. But he thought so. He did. He he thought he he could save everybody. Wrong. (laughs) Yeah, clearly. Tell them you don't know me. Yeah, it's a little late for that. He's also no, he's also dead. high on the other kind of coke. Yes, not just Coca Cola. Correct. You never want. He's dead, and uh, uh. you never want to mix your cokes. He even looks pretty relaxed when like Hans picks up the gun. <laughs> Although he does say, "Hey, what's with the gun? This isn't method acting." Maybe he should have realized at that point. <laughs> like, yeah, Hans was going to shoot him, mm-hmm. but he didn't. That's okay. That's one of the few times there where, where Hans loses his cool and actually yells. Mm-hmm. Aww. John McClain gets mad. Go fuck yourself, Hans. I mean... <sighs> Everyone's mad right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the uh, the second act of the movie where everything is dark and everything looks hopeless and lost, and uh, it's our it's our hero's lowest point, um, right? John McClane seems like he's well. I guess no, his lowest point is probably when he's crawling around because mm-hmm. his his feet are filled with glass. Mm-hmm. But we are in the second act here where things are going badly. Correct. Yes, things are going wrong. The cops on the ground are against him. The terrorists are closing in on him. There was just a guy killed right. that he couldn't seems save. Seems like it's all his fault. Seems it's like not it's all his, his fault, fault, but like it seems like it might be. And who fucking knows? Why yeah. is this guy up there fucking around? Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. What the fuck? Classic second act. Yeah. So this is where Hans Gruber pretends he's got all these political demands and he mm-hmm. wants his prisoners released and blah, blah, blah to try to yeah. throw them off like, the trail. Yeah, let's do that. What do you, what do you want? What do you want? Right. I have comrades in arms languishing in prison. I would like these things to happen. 
she doesn't actually want any of that, right? She doesn't give a fuck about that. Right. Here's who I want to be released. Colin. <laughs> I love it. Liberté du Québec. I love how it's all it's all random too. It's like in Sri Lanka, it's the like, nine members of the Asian Dawn movement. It's like it's like IRA people and right. like people from Canada, people from Sri Lanka, like Muslim separatists. It's just like if yeah, it's all Who it's gives totally a fuck? random. Just any political prisoner that's ever existed, I'm I'm on their team, even if they're completely like not no. Yeah, like it's fine. Communists, Muslim Who terrorists, cares? yeah, no, uh, not Protestants, Catholics, Catholics, all everybody, Muslims, all of them, all of them. Just fuck it, just do it. I All of this. them. I love that. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and we're like, no. Yeah, it's just to get to throw them off the trail and make them try to figure out what's going on. And right. Yeah, they kind of. It's funny that. Uh, remember the movie Airheads? Yes. I love that. Weirdly, why would you bring that up? Because why? they because they spoof this in Airheads. Airheads was not a great movie, but one scene I really liked is where they spoof this and they just ask for a bunch of random shit, like a big vat of pudding and naked pictures of B. Arthur and like just all this six random right? shit that doesn't make sense. <laughs> and it's like it's like, yeah, that's definitely a callback to Die Hard. Where uh, Hans Gruber just asks for just every political prisoner for every cause ever to be released. <laughs> just like so they'll be confused and like, well, what does this guy want? What is he trying to do? So. Right. I appreciated that from Air, from Airheads. Starring Brendan Fraser and Adam Sandler and Steve Buscemi as, as a bass player. Do you remember when Steve Buscemi played a, played a bass player? I do. In Airheads? I do. Are you Vaguely. having some, some trouble with Vaguely. the pop filter there, Rachel? Rachel's fighting with the pop filter currently. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm fighting with it, Bob. <laughs> we've, had, we've had a little bit of red wine to get us through. Yeah. We were, uh, we should talk about, we'll take a break from the movie. No, well, the movie's still going on, so keep watching. But uh, yesterday, we basically catered an entire um, party, Christmas party, mm-hmm. for free for our friends. We cooked an entire yeah, turkey. for free. It just means like we just like held a Christmas party. Right. Well, but we did friends. all the cooking. Yeah. We cooked right. a whole turkey, a whole thing That's of mashed potatoes, a whole mm-hmm. thing of stuffing, Brussels sprouts, a pumpkin pie, um, homemade gravy. We did all of it. And and there's more stuff, too, I think we did that I'm forgetting. But we, like, brought it all to a friend's house and cooked it. We spent, like, all day cooking. And we did a podcast for you guys. Yes. We did a politics podcast, like, while there was a turkey in the oven and, like, getting up to baste it <laughs> while we were podcasting. The things we do for you. And here we are spending our New Year's Eve Eve doing a running commentary on Die Hard. Um, basically under the guise that uh, it is it is most definitively a Christmas movie. Well, let me, t- let me get back to the movie and talk about this scene. I think this was actually the first scene filmed in the whole movie. Um, if I'm not mistaken. And Alan Rickman in the scene injured his knee. Um, because he had to jump down at a certain point, and I think we're gonna we're gonna see that in a minute. Like, 
Oh yeah, when he sees when John he sees John McClane, he like jumps down like three or four feet, and he messed up his knee, uh, and eventually had to have surgery on it. But uh, he so was he's hurt. like me. Yep. That, oh, right that, there. Right there. He tore his knee cartilage, which I have also done. So I have that in so common I with have Alan Rickman. So I had the surgery that Alan Rickman had. Scopes. Hi there. And so, so he then pretends, right, to be like to an American. Bob, um. Who like escaped? Bill Clay. Bill Clay. Well, he uh, Alan Rickman. They saw him do something else where he had a really good American accent, and they were like, "We got to use this in some scenes." So they actually wrote the scene in. It wasn't in the original uh, book, and it wasn't in the screenplay. But he had such a good American accent that they they decided to write in them actually meeting in person, and it does feel a little shoehorned in, but it's really good. I sort of love it. Well, I have to because be Alan Rickman's I really lo- good. Well, Alan Rickman is the heart and soul of this fucking movie. Sure, right? But you you get the feeling like John McClane has so a I can feeling. Just get this this gun. Just, <laughs> just one minute, right? Like so, there's this gun in the like sort of back shot. Mm-hmm. But you get the feeling like John McClane thinks this could be Hans or it could be one of the terrorists. I'm not sure, but I'll I'll play along and I'll see what happens. But I'll just you know I will keep. But I'm 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 sort of skeptical. Right. Right. He's not an idiot. No, but he does assume for the most part that this guy mm. is who he says he is. He's not. Well, then he would have shot him right away. Well, and, and all that time he gives his... him a gun that doesn't work. Yes. Why? That's true. That's true. Well, to be sure. To be sure. Because yeah. he's pretty sure. He's John McClane, right? He, like, he, he's pretty sure, I, like, I, everyone's up to get him. Oh. Well, I think he, he, well, we don't really know, but he, I think he kind of assumes this guy is who he says he is because he does, does a really good, he even says, oh, it's tricky with that accent. Bill Clay. Yeah. Well, here we go. Ready? Thanks. Yeah, but he he, uh, he figures out it's Hans. But the whole time they were they were coming to get him. You don't work for Nakatomi, he says. No, he's on a different floor, so he claims. If you're not one of them, I'm a cop from New York, says John McLean. New York, says Bill Clay. Yeah. <laughs> Got invited at the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? He didn't get invited by mistake. He didn't. Oh, that's where Han sees. Oh, that's where Han sees that his feet are fucked up. And then it gets really crazy, y'all. If you haven't seen this movie with his feet. So uh, it's subtle there, but Bruce Willis looks at all the names. And sees Bill Clay. And sees Clay. So then, and Hans had looked earlier. And uh, so that's his cover, right? Because if he had said some name that. You can find on there. William. Mm-hmm. Right. Clay is Bill. But Bruce Willis is smart enough to know that that's fucking bullshit. Right? Gives him a fake gun with some fake ammo. Well, he just gives him an empty clip. There could have been a bullet in the chamber, though, but I guess... There is absolutely not a bullet in the chamber. I know. It's just, you know, it's like kind of risky. giving that person a fucking bullet and a gun... Well, he says in a million years he's not giving that person a bullet and a gun. It's John McClane. He, he says knows it's better. The real thing. He knows better than to do that. I think at this point he he really thinks it's a civilian. I agree, and also he's not giving that person a bullet and a gun. Well, clearly, yeah. I mean, he doesn't, right? Click, click. He says, 
And then oh, John's Hans. like, oh, it is Hans. Oh, it is Hans. I knew it. Right? <laughs> this uh, is a, you're right. This is a pretty great scene. It's a fucking great even, scene. Even though they did shoehorn it in. Uh, I think originally it was just supposed to be Hans runs into McLean and they both know who they are right away. Instead of playing, mm-hmm. doing the little dance of, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to pretend to be, you know, mm-hmm. one of the employees here. No. It's pretty tricky with that accent. Yeah, accent. yeah. Alan Rickman does a really good American accent. He had to be on accent. fucking TV with that accent. He <laughs> and he was. And he walks toward the gun. What do you want to do with the detonators, Hans? Where to use all the explosives? Yeah. Or did I? When it comes to three, Hans says. Hey, cat. What did you do? Oh, yeah. Our cat, Blixa, has joined the commentary. Hi, buddy. Come here, sweet pea. Hi. So this is where it gets really good. Um, uh, John McClane kills another one of them. And he's got to run around the so, broken glass now. Now they've broken all his glass, right? But he's has bare feet. Mm-hmm. So becomes really problematic in terms of how he can get out of the situation. He's not necessarily dead. He blows people's like kneecaps out and brains out. But uh, <laughs> there's a lot of glass. Yeah, that is the. Uh, this is the lowest point for our hero in Act Two when he's pulling glass out of his feet. And then, and then while he's doing that, the FBI cuts the power. So I, I, this movie is just kind of relentless. There are no lulls in this movie. Like even good movies, there's periods where just kind of nothing happens and you're just like waiting for, for the next scene, waiting for something to happen. Like that little scene right there before when they were talking – Mm-hmm. And maybe when he's talking to Al and pulling the glass out of his feet are the closest things this movie has to a lull where it just lets you catch your breath for a minute and then it's right back to action. Yep. Um, and that's great. And, and it doesn't overwhelm you with action. And it's not one of these modern action movies with like a shaky camera and you don't know who's chasing who and who's fighting who. Like you can tell exactly what's going on. You could tell where they are, who's fighting who, where that person has to go. Uh, it's great. It never at this at any point in this movie, even when I was a kid and I watched it and I'm like, I don't know what's going on and I don't know, you know, what's happening. No. And that's my big problem with a lot of these comic book movies is I, I don't know what the hell's going on. Right now I'm looking at Bruce Willis who. and I'm looking at his feet and I'm like, you got to walk across that motherfucker. That sucks. Yeah. His only way, we know his only way out is to go through all a that whole glass. bunch of broken glass and he has that's the only no way he's gonna survive on. otherwise they are going to it. shoot him to death right and so your fucking feet gotta hurt yeah. or you're gonna die of getting shot to death oh and then they found your detonators okay yep. all right now rickman gets to be like a badass because he's the bad guy and, right and he just carl's mad because like his brother's dead yeah. and like it's a great film i like when they say that the the hostages are now going to have the uh instead of stockholm syndrome they call it the helsinki syndrome to be cheeky but um what does that mean why just to be funny just to you know what's the helsinki syndrome it's supposed to, it's supposed to be stockholm syndrome but instead of calling it stockholm syndrome they call it helsinki syndrome why just to be funny oh. to like to call it something else okay right. um yeah Probably maybe also because Stockholm Syndrome might have been trademarked for something. Who knows? I love how his wife is just like, oh, 
He's so mad. That can only be John McClane to make somebody that mad. <laughs> yeah. That's God, a good that line. man looks really pissed, she says. Then Heidi. Not Heidi. He's still alive. What? Why'd you call her Heidi? Only John can drive someone that crazy. Why did you just call her Heidi? What's her name? Holly. Holly. Yeah. Yeah. Probably because oh, here's where he he con he calls. <laughs> this was this right? scene. This scene has always been hard to watch for me. It always it always just. Ugh. Well, I it mean, makes me cringe. <laughs> Because we've all all stepped on glass, right? It's the scene where he's like, look, I might not make it, right? But but I I was talking about... If I don't make it, here's what I need you to do for me. I'm talking about why the scene is painful to watch with the glass in the foot. Like, we watch violence on screen, people Mm -hmm. get shot or whatever. Most of us Mm -hmm. can't relate to that, but we've all, like, stepped on something sharp or stepped on glass. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. And it just makes it just so cringe-inducing to watch. And those are really good special effects, too. Uh-huh. He's got to get all the glass out of his feet. And then he still runs around on his busted-ass feet. He does, although he tells them, hey, I might not make it. Yep, and this is where Al, uh, I think, relates the story of that he shot a kid. And mm-hmm. that's why it he... Is. Um, it is. I mean, he was still he was put like, back on the desk, and now he's yeah. back on the beat, and it's really hard, and you mm-hmm. know, yeah. Yep, yep. And like again, we said his arc is he learns to kill again. Yay! Right. <laughs> hey, Merry Christmas. I shot a kid. Merry Christmas. Yeah. He was thirteen year olds. Merry Christmas. At least this character shows remorse about it, unlike modern cops who are like, yeah. well, he looked like an adult and, you know. Yeah. But isn't that also different, too? Like when this, I just I, couldn't find myself able to draw my gun again against another body. You says. know what, though? He doesn't mention whether the kid is white or black. He doesn't. But my point, Rachel, is this. I think I would have to assume... When this played in the theater and everybody is into the movie, right? Everybody's hooked. They're into the movie. They're into the characters and they're relating the story. They're like, oh, that's terrible. A 13-year-old kid with a toy gun got shot. That's that's a terrible, horrible story. And nowadays white people are like, well, how old did he look? Did he, did he listen? Did he respond to – did he not listen to the officer's command? You know, what was he doing with that? What, did the gun look too real? You know, that's how people react – white people react now. And I'd like to think in 1988 they would the, that idea of a kid being shot would have been hor- horrifying. Everyone would have assumed exactly what happened happened. Yeah. Right. So there's a little, you know. Right. Current events re- relation for you to this movie. Yeah. Right. Now enter the FBI, who are also kind of comical. Oh, it's the worst. That's sort of the other part of why I love this movie so much. Just like they're the worst. The feds. Oh my god! Like they make fun of them. Johnson and Johnson, no relation. Yeah, this guy here was the bad guy in a long. They gotta take a whole, a whole city grid. That's crazy. It's Christmas Eve, man. There's thousands <laughs> of people. We gotta go wider. I need authorization. Authorization. How about the United States fucking government? Hey, 
lose the grid or you lose your job. Rachel's not even reading the the captions. She just knows <laughs> this movie word for word. She could recite. She could do a one woman play, Die Hard, starring Rachel, and just she'll play all the characters. She'll she'll be like. She'll put on, she'll like take off her shoes and be John McClane and then she'll run and she'll like put on a cop's uniform. And Dude, I know Powell. how to do fist with your toes, all right? And then, and then she'll be Powell and then she'll fist like take off. with your a, toes. So come, to, come to Denver and see the one woman <laughs> rendition of Die Hard starring Rachel playing every part. Powell, Powell, she talk could, to me. What is, what's going could, on here? She could do it. She's rehearsing right now. That's I what mean, she's doing. That's why she's reading you all the dialogue. That's the only plausible explanation. I'm taking it down. It's going to go. I love this Ode to Joy. Me too. Which is a great, it's a great piece. I can't piece. listen to it. No, I can't, can't listen to any of this, by the way. You know, you know, you've heard. I know, you've heard. but it's great. And then, and then there's a mysterious wind that blows Alan Rickman's hair, <laughs> like a, you know, look, look, the wind blows his hair, yeah, for effect. He is really great, though. He's he's amazing. He was young. He was forty, mere forty-one. And he did this, this movie, and Bruce Willis was like thirty. Made this movie, yeah. Mm-hmm. All kinds of neat shit in there. There's a Renoir. And I'm like, that dude touched the lady's boob. Why did you need to do that? Not sure, but fine. What? What lady's boob? Yeah. What are you talking about? Where's a lady's boob? He like. To touch oh, it. there's a little statue. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of that in this movie. John mm-hmm. McClane hits the boob poster a couple mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. So I, there's a boob touching thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what message they're trying to convey there other than boob men grab boobs without yeah, permission. Just fucking can't help it. <laughs> Cannot help it. Look at the 88 era cell phone. Size of a god. cinder block. Oh, my God. <laughs> but only the FBI has them. Oh, my God. So here's a question. Uh-huh. They've got non-negotiable bearer bonds. Mm-hmm. So they're going to take all these bonds. They're the most wanted men in the world. Although the only person they know is there is Hans Gruber, I guess. But they're going to take these bonds and then they're just going to, they can cash them in at any bank in the world. Is that the idea? Correct. Since they're non-negotiable mm-hmm. and not traceable? <clears throat> Correct. Okay. Right. So they can just go overseas and just put them anywhere and like no one cares. Nobody fucking they, cares. They can just... Okay, so yeah. they can go to... It's like cash. They can go to... Cash. They can go to Switzerland. Yeah. And they get yeah. to Switzerland and they like, just oh, walk into the First National Bank of Switzerland. Yes. And they'll say, here's a million dollars in bearer bonds. Just give me a million marks. Correct. Swiss marks or whatever. Like four million marks. Yes. Yes. That's not going to draw suspicion? Mm. Like, it's not going to be like, hey... This building, like Inter- no, not Inter- really, hey, hey, not in- really. Hey, no. Interpol, this no, building no, in America, no, because that's just sort of how it works. Like you're allowed to like put American money into those bank accounts and draw it out, and I don't know. I just think it would be harder, especially when you. Mm, I mean, it's a Japanese company, it but it's an American building. And I would have to think like the State Department or something would Baby, get involved and be I'm like six hundred million dollars. I don't know. Okay, I I'm, mean that's thinking. That's making too much. Uh, well, we're we're doing all right. We're doing okay. commentary right. track. Yes, for the whole no, it's movie. harder. Yes, it's um, harder than these guys think to to cash in their bearer bonds. Is, is no, I think opinion. that's untrue. 
<laughs> I think it's really fucking easy. Well, we'll never know because they didn't make it. They didn't make it, did they? No. No, they didn't. Why Spoilers. Did they make it? Spoilers. <laughs> Bruce Willis stopped them. Bruce Willis did. She heard he, me say I love you a thousand times. He murdered them she all. She never heard me say I'm sorry. Although I guess Theo doesn't and die. And I wanted to tell her that. I wanted to tell her that. I want you to tell her that. Hold on. John Thea- said that he was sorry. Okay. Yeah, I, I I know. You got that, man? Yeah, I got it, John. Theoda, no, he Theoda wanted to tell die. fucking Holly he was sorry. Yes, the screenwriter apparently, um, the screenwriter, he got he got in a fight with his wife one night. This is a true story. He got in a fight with his wife one night, and he was out driving, like on the L.A. freeway, and he was behind a truck that like delivered refrigerators, and like the back came open, and this big giant box that held a refrigerator came out. Unfortunately, the box was empty, so he just hit an empty box, but had he hit like a fridge, he might have died. died. And he thought, oh shit, what if I had died and the last thing I said to my wife was getting in a shitty, petty argument? So he thought that would be a really good motivator for John McClane. Like, I, the last thing I said to my wife couldn't have been that stupid argument we had. And I was like, oh, well, that's good. That, that, that's good motivation, right? That's a good storyline. Okay. So he worked that supposedly, unless that's apocryphal. He he worked that uh, the screenwriter and that worked has nothing that to personal do with this movie. But okay. It, what if do you that... mean it has nothing to do with this movie? I just told you that he had a personal life motivation where he had what he thought was a near death experience and thought, oh my god, that would have been horrible if I just died. And the last interaction with my wife was a fight. Okay. So why are you saying it has nothing to do with this movie? Because that's exactly what happens in the movie. John McClane and Holly get in a fight because she changed her name back to her maiden name. Right, but like... uh, Then two hours happen and like it has nothing to do with her name, right? No, but part of his motivation to stay alive... Isn't it because survive. her name changed? No, is because he doesn't want the last thing interaction that happened with his wife to be that fight they had. That's what I'm saying. That's what the screenwriter said. Don't. Why are you looking at me skeptically? I didn't write the script. The screenwriter the claims are the worst. That was his big motivation. Why? I, you don't think that's sweet? That's nope. not a, a good thing. I don't think it's sweet. I think it's super. Off, but okay. Okay, no, no. Hold on a second. Let's argue about this. Oh, good. What if me and That's you great. got in a dumb fight, like about the screenwriter's intention on an action movie we liked, right? And then I stormed out. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. What if we got in a huge fight? Yeah. About something that mattered. Sure. Yes. And you wrote a thing, right? That was like metaphoric for your feeling about that argument. You're missing the point entirely. Okay. What if we got it's it? What if super? Hold on. What if we got that's super helpful? What if we? Sure. What if we got in a huge fight, and one of us stormed out, and then like one of us got hit by a truck, and as we're dying, we're like, oh no, the last thing I ever said to the person I love the most in the world was this this petty fight. That's, that's, that's terrible, right? So that is what the screenwriter was thinking. 
with part of his motivation for John McClane surviving. That's all. That's all I'm saying. You can say it's good. You can say it's bad. I think it's kind of sweet. Um, you know, I, I don't think John McClane would have fought any less hard to survive. <laughs> but I'm just saying that apparently was part of his motivation per the screenwriter. Fair? Okay. Okay. Now here's the epic fight between Carl and John, where John strings him up by the neck with a chain and then he somehow survives and comes back and tries to kill him only to be killed by Al Powell. Mm. Are you done? Are you giving up? Yeah. Well, we only got like 20 minutes left. Okay. Okay. Well, Rachel will be right back and I'll continue to do commentary solo if you're still actually with us on our holiday special our movie commentary track of die hard that we just decided to do on a whim here two nights before christmas on christmas eve eve uh, after we brought you our regular politics podcast yesterday in the midst of cooking a whole feast uh, for our friends we are big on multitasking and uh, just another personal story today we actually had to buy a bunch of Christmas presents for, she had to buy stuff for her niece and her brother and her parents. I had to buy stuff for my two little nephews. Um, and we went to Target two days before Christmas. Uh, we went to Target and we went to PetSmart because I'm going to, I'm going to let you in on something here now that Rachel's out of the room. Rachel actually put up stockings for our pets. We have two dogs and two cats and Rachel put up stockings, personalized stockings with their names embroidered on them for, <laughs> for each of our pets. And so we had to go today to PetSmart and, and buy stuff to fill those stockings with. And that we did. And, I am not. I'm just letting everybody know that is something you did. Because you were son of, so cute. <laughs> such a wonderful uh, pet mom. Should I tell them the, the pet's names? Yeah. Okay. We can put a picture up if you want. Maybe. I want to protect their identity. I, I don't think they have They're given us consent <laughs> to put their likeness on the internet. Uh, we have two dogs by the name of Rigsby and Lily and two cats by the name of Blixa and Moses. And they each have a personalized stocking hanging in our living room. And those stockings are now filled with goodies. <coughs> Isn't that right? They are. I was just telling everybody what we, how, we, how we spent our day after spending all day yesterday <laughs> cooking for all our friends. Today, we spent a good part of the day shopping for all our relatives and our pets. Yes. Yes, we did. And now they have full stockings, and isn't that wonderful? They do. Yeah. Everybody has full stockings with all of their names. Mine is the only stocking that doesn't have a name on it. No, that's it's, not it, intentional. but it's a big gay rainbow flag. It is a big gay rainbow flag. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll take a rain- I think I'll take a picture of it, and then you can put it on the um, website. Okay, so that I can do everyone that. Everyone can see. Sure. Because it's not that like I'm like... You know, I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and and take a take a picture of the stockings. Okay, um, so everybody will know. 
what I'm talking about here. And in case you weren't sure who's is what, uh, there are little cats with bow ties on the cat stockings, and there are big plaid doggy paw prints on the dog stockings with their names. And every stocking is now full. Yes. Uh, including the humans. Uh, so how are we going to get the pets to open their stockings? Are we just kind of dump them out on the floor in front of them and see what they go for? Or? Pretty much. I mean, I mean if, there's, if there's cat and big cat treats in the cat ones, they'll kind of dig stuff out from their own, right? Yeah. Is that I how mean, it'll work? I don't know. It's going to give them their, their treats, and then they'll be fine. That's going to be some Christmas morning. There's going to be some mess. So back to the movie, what's happening? Uh, John just sent all the hostages off the roof because he figured out Hans He figured out that Hans Gruber was going to kill them all on the roof. He's going to tie himself into, uh, so there's a, it's basically, if you guys didn't understand, it's like a um, fire hose, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a fire That's hose not from filled the roof. with water that you could jump down with, yeah, right? Yeah, it goes down a bunch of stories, that's really long. Yeah. You could tie it around himself. Um, I think this is a terrible idea in reality. Well, the Matrix ripped it off. Remember yes. that? No, I know. Yeah, the Matrix stole stole that idea. Exactly. Okay, so we do Die Hard because really, like, it's my favorite movie. <laughs> favorite I Christmas movie, let's say. It is. It's also one of my, like, favorite movies. I really like it. I really like it. Like, it's just a good fucking movie, mm-hmm. you know? So they blow up the building because they're like, oh, then everyone will be dead and no one will know. Well, Hans right? blows the roof, even though he blows the, the roof. people escape. But then, then his plan is to, like, blow up the rest of the building or mm-hmm. kill everybody on the floor or yeah, something. It gets a little... It gets a little, it gets a little convoluted, yeah. Convoluted but but I think Hans still, even though his plan to kill everybody on the roof didn't work... He uh, he still plans to kill all the hostages somehow, and I don't remember how at this point, but it it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, you should have untied that when you had the chance, John. I know he's okay though. He's gonna be fine. <laughs> Will he? I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, if you're watching this movie with us, like he's gonna be fine. It's, yeah. Okay. Nobody's watching this he's for okay. the first time. He's okay. Yeah. He's okay. And they certainly wouldn't be watching um, shouts in French. Who was shouting in French? That's where the captions just said shouting in French. I know. Uh-huh. <laughs> We've gone from German to French. <laughs> Man, Holly's floor got fucked up. She's not going to be able to go into work on uh, Is she going to get PTO or no? I hope so. Her boss is dead, though, so it's <laughs> HR is going to be a mess. Like the do you building... think she'll get PTO? Like, or do you think she's going to just be like, mm? I, you know, they should have covered that in the sequel. Like, the first half hour should have been, like, all the, the paperwork and, like, her talking about... Does she get paid or no? Oh, you're right. Like, all with the What building. about the pregnant lady? Is she okay? Does she have a baby? Why isn't she on maternity leave? Why isn't leave? she on maternity leave? Why is she at Why a fucking Christmas party? Why is she still at a party? fucking Christmas party? Yeah. There's a lot of questions to be answered. There are. Lamar, right? 
though I love is just like hanging Argyle. out with the. I'm sorry, Argyle. Why well, do I want to call him Lamar? I don't know. But, Argyle. But what he does here is he. Uh, mm-hmm. How do they all fit in there with the ambulance? Anyway, he he crashes into Arga into Theo and then punches him out and I guess just leaves him there for the cops to get. So maybe maybe mm. Theo ratted on everybody, but they're all Argyle? dead anyway. Yeah, no, Theo, the 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 safe cracker, the hacker guy. Oh. Remember, Theo punches um, Argyle punches him out. Oh. He crashes into the ambulance and then he goes and he punches him out and he's just like, all right, I punched him out. Like that didn't kill him. So I guess after right. that point, John McClane has two bullets. Left he right ran. Now. He ran and to the cops. He's, he's. Oh, here we go. The packing tape. Here we go with the packing tape, motherfuckers. <laughs> here we go with the packing tape. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Baby. It's my favorite part. I love John McClane. What do you want from me? Well, no, this is what I'm talking about here. Theo survives. Everybody else dies. But Theo's clearly... Theo's fine. He's fine. He gets punched out. That's Argyle. Argyle punches out Theo. And and so Theo's out cold. And I guess the cops get him. They never really say what happens to what him. What does happen to him? I guess, I guess he gets arrested. Probably. Maybe shot. Who knows? So the one black guy in the group of there's, the robbers survives. So that's good. There's some money on the floor. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Motherfuckers. Here's where packing tape is helpful. Yes. Hi, honey. <laughs> How are you doing? It's going to be okay. Remember... Uh, Look, he looks all just... Oh, I'm just... Everything's terrible. And Hue- Bruh. Huey Lewis is still alive. Whatever that guy's name was. But the one funny thing that, remember, Pierre pointed out is that... Um, when Alan Rickman falls to his death on the green screen, which is kind of a actually a bad green screen, um, he makes this kind of surprised face, but it's sort of funny. And like people in the theater laughed for some reason because that was a funny face. And I always thought like that's just an odd reaction to have. Um, there's nothing really funny about dead. that scene. Put down the gun. You know what I'm talking about? No. Well, Alan Rickman... His character is about to fall to his death when he undoes the Rolex. Remember, because she's still got the Rolex. Hold on, in her this hand. is very intense, right? Yes, it's the final standoff. Sean McClain, it's all bloody. Bonnie is just hanging out. John McClain does not walk off in a sunset. That's Gary Cooper, asshole. He says <laughs> enough jokes. He says, You made a pretty good cowboy yourself, Hans. Oh, yeah? What was it you said to me before? Yippee Kaye. Yippee Kaye. Motherfucker. Motherfucker. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. And then they all have a good laugh for some reason. Ha, 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 ha. That's just a great time <laughs> for everybody. Even Everyone's Huey Lewis. Everyone's laughing. Even <laughs> Huey Lewis is laughing. Get your gun, motherfucker. Get your gun. Get it. How is he able to get the tape on his back like that? I don't mean, I don't. Maybe it doesn't matter. It matters to me. Holly is fine. Oh, and then just the cowboy thing. Happy, Happy trails. trails, Hans. Gotta have a one-liner. It's an '80s movie, but oh no, her no, watch. No, like the whole point of Bruce Willis's career is you gotta have the one line. Well, it's all action movies, yeah. That watch, but watch what I'm talking about here, though. When when he undoes the undoes the, the, the Rolex watch. that Ellis gave her, and and Alan Rickman falls to his death. 
No, he's going to... His last gun up his first. last thing is like, I'm going to take one of you with me because I'm a yeah. bad guy. Mm-hmm. And Look, so, he's got a gun, though. You see? Yeah, he he's going to He's going to shoot. Okay, so then he undoes the watch. No. And I guess people thought that that face was funny. And they actually laughed in the theater for some reason, which is weird to me. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I hope that's not a hostage. Oh, poor Hans. There he goes. There he goes. Poor Hans. Fuck Boop. him. <laughs> Fuck he was such guy. a great villain. I know. I know. But. They should have They should have just brought him back in the second one, like with a broken leg. Like I survived the fall. It's very fortunate to fall oh, into so a tree. Good. It's so good. See, it's not done yet. Remember, Carl. Carl survived his autoerotic asphyxiation by the chain. Are we still recording? Of course we are. <laughs> oh my god! Carl was hanging, was hanging by his neck. 20 feet in the air in a chain and he was okay. He's just like, oh, I gotta undo this but, chain from my neck and then go kill John McClane. <laughs> but then uh, Al Powell no. finds the strength to kill again. Yes, he finds the strength to kill again and I would like to talk about how well, that's really problematic. Not before Holly punches uh, uh, Thornburg, the reporter, who, who threatens to deport their housekeeper if she doesn't reveal who he is. Mm-hmm. On the national news, which is how Hans finds out that they're married and why he takes her hostage. Thornburg fucked that up, and somehow she knows that. Oh yeah, she was there when they when the TV was on. That's right. He's like, yep, her buddies. Yep, that must be you, pal. You definitely sounded on the radio like the guy that was going to be in Family Matters. Right? Oh, what the <laughs> fuck? Why? <laughs> it's gotta be you. <laughs> You'd think they want to get him some medical attention, being like his mm-hmm. feet are like hamburger at this point. I mean, his feet are like completely fucked. <sighs> That's gonna get infected. You need to put some iodine on those. I think the first thing they would do is strap him to a fucking gurney and take him to the emergency room. This is my room. way of Holly Janeiro. Oh, Holly McLean. You don't need to say that, Holly. You can be Holly Gennaro and still be married to fucking John McLean. Man. Ugh. And Ugh. You messed up with police you, business. You go fuck yourself, sir. You go fuck yourself, well, Alice. Well, if, uh, if, if, if Dwayne really believed that, couldn't he have arrested him? Oh, somehow. Here's Carl. Okay. So how did Carl get past those 800 million cops standing right there? Because that? that guy had to shoot him. <laughs> okay. It's diehard, okay? True, true. Okay? Fair. He had to like be like, I can finally be like shooting somebody <laughs> the right way. Yeah. And then I will be okay with shooting people. <laughs> even though I shot a child and killed them for no reason. Yeah. Now I've shot someone. A, a bad goodness. guy in the line of duty. Oh my! Because now I can be a full-fledged cop again. Oh, it makes me so like just like physically ill. And he's, you know what? He's like, I think I'm gonna go retire and be on a sitcom now, with a with a nerdy. Mm-hmm. With a, like a nerdy kid, guy. and I can just <laughs> pretend to be a cop because this is fucking horrible. There's this Argyle. This is fucking horrible. Hey, wait a minute! If Argyle could just smash through the gate, why didn't he do that before? Right. 
So you watch a movie too many times, the plot holes just, they reveal baby, themselves look, to you. Baby, I know, it's fine, it's baby. die hard. It gets away with all of it. And, favorite movie. And did you see how Powell was so trigger happy at that point? He was ready to shoot Argyle. I know. <laughs> and Bruce Willis was like, mmm, it's Argyle. Mmm. Mm. Shut Argyle. No, no, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I- shoot that white man. Do not shoot that black man. And he couldn't mm. see he was black from the limo. Mm-mm. But. That's my, that's my, that's. See, that would have been a good, uh, a good change. Like. At that point, Powell is just trigger happy and he just starts shooting everybody. <laughs> oh, don't shoot Argyle, though. He almost did, though. He I was like, it. he's like, all right, I killed somebody. I'm ready to kill some more. Who about that? How about that there limo? There goes Argyle. <laughs> he's like, oh, I have to shoot everyone? Okay. All right. Who's next, though? All right. So that's going to do it. That's going to do it for us. We kind of went off the rails here. All right. Uh, three quarters of the way through. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy Hanukkah, Festivus, Kwanzaa, all the things. Thank you for tuning in and listening. We'll be back with more politics stuff next Saturday. Maybe another movie review, but I doubt it. This <laughs> <laughs> is absurd. Watch Die Hard. It's a Christmas movie. So Gather fun. the family it's around. So fun. Grab grandma. Grab the kids. Watch this movie. Uh, it's just, it's got all the things. It makes me so happy. It makes Rachel happy. So therefore it should make you happy. (laughs) All right. Good night, everybody. Merry Christmas.